Hello? Hello. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good to hear your voice. You too. Well, do you have any questions on, you know, what we're doing? Not really. Okay. I'm just going to, you know, jump in. Got yeah. notes on some Detective Comics issues. Just, That's just, good. You know, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fine. I'm sorry that the detectives weren't good. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're entering this terrible era. Like, Donovan was on last month, and the it was a four-part story, and we were doing the last two parts, and the first two parts were actually really good. And then all of a sudden, we had two terrible last parts, and then this. And I'm just thinking, as we get closer to Batgirl, like, retiring, are we just going to enter this terrible time of storytelling and I feel like that's what's happening and so it's it's a bummer. Apparently there was a reason for her to be retired. <laughs> Which of course she was foreshadowing a lot in this in this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well here's here's the situation. So you, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I are all on an expedition on the planet Hoth. You know where planet Hoth is? Yes, I okay. have Star Wars. Okay. So <laughs> we're attacked by some snowtroopers, and Buffy and I are pretty badly wounded. So my question for you is, you can only carry one of us back to our base of operations because we're some rebel fighters. Would you rather carry Buffy back or me? I'm going to go with you uh, because she is a fictional character. <laughs> it's easier <laughs> to win the game when that happens. <laughs> Good times. Okay. That's just, that just terrible. Also, I, I may not have made it through the entirety of your last episode with Don, but I have heard the first part of it, and so I suspect this is going to be on the damn air. Of <laughs> course <laughs> it will be. I don't really throw many things out, you know. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute... Something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Don't be scared of 
Sports made in Japan. Stella, and this is Back Road to Oracle, the Barbara Burn Podcast, episode 76 for March MMXIV. Back Road to Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. Holy crap. I know. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are June's Back Row number 31 and Birds of Prey number 31, both for $2.69. So, if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. And finally, Backward Oracle is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com, high-performance noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off their whole order and free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com, plug in, turn up the volume, and give us a try. Nice. Well, I tweet, uh, wait, what? Tease, there we go. I teased a little bit last episode about a secret special guest I was super excited about. And I feel like it's been years. I think he was on my first year where we did Back Row Year One together, and then he came on for um, a random issue. I remember it was 33, but I don't, was it like World's Finest 33, something like that. I remember it was like Girls' Night Out. But no, we, I'm, did the, we did the Brave and the Bold with that's uh, Straczynski. What it was. Yeah, I remember it was like issue 33, but that's all I remember oddly. But oh, this is one of my very dearest and I think oldest friends, my first friend on the crawl space, I'm very happy to say, Kevin Bushing. Hello. <laughs> Again, I think they've already heard me from the aforementioned thing at the top that was it's probably so... there. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so what, what, what has been going on in your life exactly in the three years that have transpired? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a bigger question than I was expecting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have not been on this show, sadly. I, I moved out of Louisville, Kentucky, and I moved to Hollywood, and I went to acting school, and I graduated from acting school, and I lived there for a while, and now I'm back in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> so a lot has happened since last time I was here. That it has. Um, and now you're you're considering moving to another big city, right? Um, yeah, I'm looking for work in Chicago right now. I just hope. I mean, you're one of those people that um, I feel like you really are gonna you're gonna hit something and make it big. Oh. And since we were close, I just hope that you always remember me when you've got your name, you know, flashing <laughs> in the lights. You're pretty hard to forget. <laughs> that is so kind of you to say. How has your comics experience been so far, especially with DC? Because we'll talk. Marvel is one of my my topics that I figured we'd talk about. But what have you felt um, about DC New Fifty Two? Because I don't know if I've really discussed it as much with you. Oh yeah, I think the last time we discussed it was the the brief, brief, brief period of time where I had a podcast and I had you and Michael Bailey on to talk about all the like all the ads they had put out for the New Fifty Two <laughs> before yeah. it even came out. 
I'm I I don't like it. <laughs> I've I've gotten to the point where I'm only reading Batman and Nightwing. I I started reading a lot more. Well, I don't know. I I started out pulling like six comics total, I think, and then I switched up and it grew, and now it's kind of shrunk again because I just don't. I don't really enjoy what they're doing, and the more it gets into it, the more I realize it's not changing. Um, it's more of a kind of dark, cynical, small, insular sort of place. Um, I really don't appreciate the way they're dealing with the reboot to this day. I mean, we're still dealing with reboot mm-hmm. three years later. Yeah. Um, three years later, the writer of Superman will not give a reporter a straight answer as to whether or not the death of Superman happened when there's a big doomsday storyline coming up. Yeah. We don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what? A, a Superman who has died and come back to life is a character who has been affected by a profound experience. So these are two different characters, whether or not he's actually died and returned from the dead or not, especially when we're talking about going into a big fight with Doomsday. That, that, that kind of informs a few things. And one of your favorite characters is undergoing some issues right now, too. What are your thoughts on poor Nightwing? Mm-hmm. I know. So, I'm so sorry. I'm so sick of Forever Evil. I mean, it, it's hard to say right now because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, we just, last week, I think, got Forever Evil number six, which was billed in the solicitations as the final fate of Nightwing. And it has Nightwing on the cover. And I'm like, maybe we'll get something. And all we get is a fake-out death stunt. That's clearly a fake-out. We're supposed to think he's dead, but it, he's clearly not. Whatever's going to happen to him is clearly going to happen in the next issue. Or maybe not even then. Maybe Nightwing number 30. Or maybe not even then. Maybe Batman Eternal. Who knows? Because yeah. you just got to keep buying crap. My, it's uh, very yeah. <laughs> You just got to keep buying it. Yeah, I'm actually thinking, and I, I put this on TBU two episodes ago, uh, because if you read Batman Eternal, something really strange is going on besides the obvious, just in the fact that Harper Rowe, as whatever her alter ego is, is Blue carrying Bird. a... Yeah, there you go. Is carrying a gun, and Batman is more like he's resigned to it. He's like, you know, I don't like guns, but she's the one who has it. And that that line, along with sort of mannerisms and just how he was acting, makes me think that Dick Grayson is Batman and Batman Eternal. You think so? I do. That that is my that I, I let it loose on TBU. Um, so either I'll be like a genius or just a, a fool. But my, my thinking is that Dick Grayson is Batman. So I'm going to put it out there now. What, what do you think now in light of that? Do you think it could be? I read that issue. I, I certainly didn't see that. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, this is the first time hearing of it. So I'm processing <laughs> the thought right now. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, in large part because we just got that three years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're not uh, adverse to rehashing storylines in the New 52, but that would be a, a pretty incredible uh, pretty incredible rehash very quickly. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know where Bruce Wayne would have gone. I mean, he hasn't even been doing this whole year. It's just zero year. A- again and again and again and again and again and again. Zero year just keeps on going, and we've still got like five issues of this thing left, and half of them are going to be overpriced. So, I mean, yeah. He's still mourning his son over in Batman and Robin, which totally makes sense in a real world sense of time, but in comic books, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Since it's the only book that's showing him, it's not the only book that's showing him in modern day, I just don't care about the other ones. Yeah. 
At um, least they, they took a break from that in Batman and Rob with the Two Face storyline, which went on for a little bit. Uh, it's still going. I think. <laughs> it's yeah. It's got like five issues of that one. Yeah, um, and then it'll come back where he's trying to find potentially a resurrected Damien, but I don't know what'll happen. Yeah, I just I, f- I feel like that again, just kind of too long and a little bit misguided. But yeah, I, I respect what Tomasi's done there. Yeah. Um, but as far as what Dick Grayson's going to do, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, part of me is wondering if there's going to be a bit of a screwing with continuity at the end of Forever Evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we do have Red Skies now as at the end of Forever Evil number six. So, you know, that's a crisis thing. Anything could yeah. happen. Yeah, true. Um, but, you know, it's it's really hard to get around Dick Grayson's identity being revealed mm-hmm. because you can figure out the rest of the Bat family from that. Vicki Vale did it near the end of... Uh, you know, before the reboot, she figured out who Dick Grayson was, and then just from that, she figured out who everybody else was. Yeah. So the entire world now knows you've got super intelligent supervillains. If Vicky Vale could do it, you can't tell me nobody in the New Fifty Two could do it. Um, so that seems really dangerous to just leave out there. And you're not going to do, you know, I don't want to see a Daredevil thing like, okay, it's out there, but uh, we're just going to pretend that it's not true. <laughs> Daredevil's yeah. still running around a couple years later like, no, really, I'm not Daredevil. I am. No, I'm, I'm really not. I am. Yeah. And if they do that with Dick Grayson, it's just going to be kind of crap. Yeah. And that that would be another problem with, you know, even if he's, uh, if he becomes the new Batman, if people know Dick Grayson was a superhero, aren't you going to have, like, there's going to be at least one paparazzo following him at all times to see him change into a superhero somewhere. And they're going to figure out that he's the new Batman. Do you it think, just seems too difficult to deal with. Yeah. Do you think the flash forward, that weekly series that they're doing where they're flashing forward five years, could this be a way to get back to our old continuity or perhaps have an Ultimates universe going on? I don't know. My worry is that they're going to, you know, they know that the New 52, this whole line-wide event where the entire line changed is the best sales they've ever had. Uh, well, not ever, but, you know, in the past many years. So my worry is that they're thinking, well, we can do a whole another one, flash forward the entire line five years, and then the whole New 52 is five years in the future, and continuity means even less. Um, I don't necessarily think that's what they're going to do, but it's a fear of mine. <laughs> and if they do that, I'll probably just stop reading everything, even if Nightwing is still around, because that's just stupid. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't. It, to the original question, I have no idea what's going to happen to Dick Grayson. It's, yeah. I've seen all kinds of theories. Um, I've seen you know ideas of Talon becomes the new Nightwing. I don't get the point. I've seen theories of <laughs> Dick Grayson dyes his hair blonde because of that Thanksgiving teaser, and like, yeah, well, people would notice that Nightwing's hair is blonde too. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, it's very true. So it's I I really have no idea. And in a a lot of times when you have a comic book and they've gotten to the point where you really don't know where the story is going. That's a good thing. It's not here. It's just pissing me off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and for people who don't know, Nightwing is basically your favorite DC yeah. character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man I feel your pain. Kind of tied for my top favorite heroes, yeah. period. And Kyle Rayner is hovering so, around there. Yeah. Although I haven't, I haven't read Kyle Rayner for a while because I've, he's been in space so long that I don't really care. Mm-hmm. So I guess now you're just starting to feel what's been going on with me for basically since 50, New 52 started with Babs and everything. Yeah. But I guess in a yeah. different way. I tried that one too. <laughs> yeah. Poor Batgirl. Oh, well, uh, 
another publisher that we've actually been enjoying, I think we can say Marvel. Yeah. So what type? I don't. I hardly ever get to talk about Marvel on here. <laughs> I mention it. TBU. I bring it up in reference. Like I think, um, if we're reviewing something, I'll say, "Oh, this is like da 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 da," and then I'll get in trouble. Uh, but so it's good to have like a co-host who reads Marvel. But yeah, what kind of books are you reading, and and how are you enjoying Marvel? I'm at this point just kind of trying to keep my pull list down. Because... Uh, exactly, because there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah, I keep, you know, I want to try something, but then I keep liking what I try. <laughs> like, uh, the new Moon Knight series just came out. Uh, you know, I was, I had high hopes for Warren Ellis on Moon Knight, and it was phenomenal. It met all my hopes. So, that's in there. I gave a try to She-Hulk, which is not a book that I've ever really cared about before. Um, Charles Sewell and Javier Polito doing an incredible job with that book. Had to add it to my pull list. Um, I just tried. <laughs> I just the other day decided, okay, I'll give a shot to Loki, Agent of Asgard. Really freaking good. Had to edit my book. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, and uh, I I went back and read the whole last volume of Captain Marvel by Kelly Sue DeConnick, and it was wonderful. So that's on my damn pull. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to all new Ultimates with this uh, team of characters that I like from Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man, which I'll keep reading, of course. Thunderbolts I picked up because, you know, I'm a sucker for the Midnight Suns, so you add you add Johnny Blaze to the Thunderbolts and I'm in and Charles Sewell, same guy that's writing She Hulk, very different book, but really good too. So Yeah, and the Avengers books, Spider Man books. I'm still not reading Spider Man. Breaks my heart, but it's just not it's not Spider Man for me. Even though apparently I hear Parker's coming back. Yeah, he's got I think Superior has uh three more issues left. Um, it's, it's been the best part of Dan Slott's run. Um, I could do without it, you know, especially now that I'm not on a podcast, uh, centering around Spider-Man anymore. I, I debate whether or not I should keep it all the time. Um, the one that I never questioned though is Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which is one of the best books that Marvel's publishing. Oh, it's really? so funny. It is the funniest book that I read every single month. It has absolutely nothing to do with Spider-Man, and the characters that star in this thing should make it just a crappy D-list book, but it is one of my favorites. I uh, So I guess to take place as Spider-Man, a lot of X-Men books has mm. have been on my pull list. Um, a lot of the Bendis stuff, all new X-Men, which I actually really like, because Kitty, Kitty's on there. Uncanny. Uncanny X- is rough for me because of the art. Oh, uh, Bacello. Bacallo and yeah. Fraser Irving, who had uh, Fraser Irving fits some places, but I just don't think Uncanny X Men is one of them. Yeah, I it takes a little while for me to get used to. I remember starting it off, I'm like, oh no, it's this, and I remember <laughs> there being a lot of complaints when I was still on Spider Man Crawl Space <laughs> about Bacallo's art, which is kind of and it funny. hasn't changed. <laughs> I guess oh. I've just gotten used to it. But, of course, I had a tolerance for the Captain Marvel art, and you didn't. Some of that was really hard to get through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really hard to get through. But David Lopez is coming on for the new volume, so if they can keep him for a little while, it'll be fine. It'll be 
but yeah. I was reading Wolverine and the X-Men. I've been reading it ever since it started because Same. I really like Jason Aaron. But when I saw that Jason Aaron wasn't going to be on the on the next volume, I decided to drop that. But I guess in place of that, I picked up Amazing X-Men where they're you know searching for Nightwing because he was writing it. So uh, I guess I'll kind of follow. <laughs> you just said they're searching for Nightwing for the record. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. They're searching for Nightcrawler. I would read the crap out of that book. If they were searching. Jason Aaron's X Men are searching for night. <laughs> what the hell is happening in Forever Evil? Oh man! I... Um, but there was an announcement today that's going to make you sad. Amazing X Men number seven is going to be Jason Aaron's last issue. Oh my gosh! So then I but, have to drop that. Yeah. But here's the thing. Who's writing it? The writing team of Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, who did X twenty three, the fantastic new X Men run, and my favorite X Force run, are taking over with number eight. Go actually trust that. I'm yeah. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> They uh they haven't written an X book since that X Force ended and I've missed them. I really really like their partnerships. Yeah, I love X Twenty. I'm glad to hear you've read that because that those uh six issues miniseries are wonderful. Yeah, both of them are really good. Yes, and then they they did some uh some X Men actual what is it? It was X Men Evolution, right? When they wrote I don't know if you watched that TV show, but yeah, they created uh. Yeah, they created X-23. And yes, X-23. they brought her on there, too. Yeah, I watched that episode on Netflix okay. because it was that, and I, I thought this... I tried the series from the beginning. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't the best, yeah. I tried She-Hulk on a lark, mainly because of you, because uh, I trust you, and you were saying it's so good. So, And I, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was great, and I think it'll be really interesting. And I love how it's playing both sides of Jennifer's life. So you're seeing her as a lawyer, and now she's starting sort of from the ground up and having her own firm. I guess you couldn't call it a firm, but and then you got her as a superhero. What would you say? I think technically, or maybe a practice. I don't know. Okay. What the... Yeah, I guess practice is true. Captain Marvel. So glad you've stepped on board. I've been reading that since the beginning, and and I love it. Uh, hopefully, it stays with the same tone. Hopefully, she gets her memory back. I was so pretty bummed yeah. about that. That's, that was a weird development. <sighs> yeah, I don't know why they do that to people. My my biggest question with the new volume is how long she's going to stay in space, because they're starting off with her in space, and that's. Yeah what they've been talking about and it's much like you know it's it's what I said with Kyle Rayner he's been in space so long I don't really care anymore because yeah. the the appeal of Kyle Rayner in large part was his normal life and he hasn't had one for like 8 years <laughs> so uh I, I, there's a similar appeal with Carol for me you know she's got uh the little girl that that idolizes Captain Marvel that's adorable and you know the just her interactions with other people yeah she's a little bit more normal I, I love her friendship with spider-woman you know every time spider-woman guest stars and the book is great yeah and so if you just have her off in space i mean she's still gonna be an interesting character but i feel like the stories won't be as interesting if it's too prolonged yeah i do so we'll see. yeah i love seeing spider-woman as well it's just again those two had such a great relationship and now of course carol is just like battling and trying to remember it so it's almost like being friends with the stranger yeah. But hopefully something will correct itself there. Are you reading Guardians of the Galaxy? Dropped it. Okay. I was I was I dropped it at number ten, which was right before the trial of Jean Grey. Uh, I was just so bored. Oh, okay. I mean, I maybe love space Bendis. is not your thing. I don't. I, I think that's I mean, a look theme at my here. Green Lantern fandom, though. I mean, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I read all nine years of Jeff Johns Green Lantern. I've got uh, a whole long run of uh, of Kyle Rayner Green Lantern, which. You know, he went into space. It was just better when he didn't live there. <laughs> and I, I loved uh, Abnett and Lanning's Guardians of the Galaxy. That was great. And was it 
it was them that was writing Nova at the time too, right? Um, so. yeah. And that was also a great book, but I don't know. It just didn't seem like anything was happening. And in Bendis's Guardians of the Galaxy, like Angela showed up, and like, and I still don't know why. Like, we got this license, we got this property, and we want to use her, and we're going to make it big. So she's on the last page of Age of Ultron, and then she shows up in Guardians of the Galaxy, and she sort of had some fisticuffs, and I still don't have any reason to actually care about her, though. Nothing. But that's me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not much has gone on. Uh, I enjoy it. I like learning about the characters, so I'm pretty excited. I, I, I don't know. Each month Are you I look new forward to, to it. The, the Guardians of the Galaxy? What'd you say? Are you new to the characters? I am. I am. Okay. I okay. mean, I, yeah. So maybe that's my draw for it. That's cool. I recommend going back and uh, and reading some of the older stuff. Although okay. it it just astonishes me uh, when when the new movie trailer came out and the trailer is just amazing. Yeah. And and it hits so big and it got all this mainstream attention all of a sudden. And so when that came out, I went to uh, to find a link on Amazon for the first collection of Abnett and Lanning's book because that's what inspired the movie. And Marvel's let it go out of print. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> They've got a new printing coming after the movie comes out. Uh, so you're just going to miss all these sales that could be around between trailer and movie release. Because a lot of people like to, you know, read the book first. And I would absolutely be recommending that to you right now, except <laughs> you can't get it. <laughs> unless you, you like digital. Yeah. Do you think a lot of these people... My fear for the, the film is that people who are just moviegoers and that love Marvel via the movies, uh, this is going to be a hard film for that, them to get into and it'll be more for like really hardcore comic people who kind of know, know. the mythology. I think the, they've shown they've got a really, really good tone with the trailer. And I think, they, I think the trailer was great because it showed that it was going to be fun, it showed there's going to be something different. And, and like I said, a lot of my friends that know nothing about comics are like, what the hell is this? This is awesome. Um, and it got a lot of mainstream attention. And if the movie is like the trailer, then I think it can bring a lot of people in. And it, honestly, it looks like Serenity 2 to me. It looks like it's got a, a very, very strong Serenity vibe. And, you know, not a lot of people have necessarily seen Serenity, but I don't know anybody that has seen it that didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only the only thing that worries me, the only one single thing, is the mid credit scene of Thor two. Oh right, which was just With weird as hell. And he's in there. He's in <laughs> yeah, there. It was, was weird. It was. Teaser. Um, but it was also just weirdly placed. It was. Uh, there's a there's a great series of of videos on YouTube that I'm sure everybody already knows. Guy calls himself as just some random guy and he does these little videos with action figures of uh Marvel and DC characters arguing about their movies. And and there was a hilarious one that was Superman and Thor uh arguing over, you know, Man of Steel and Thor too. And 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 Batman comes in from the side and insults the the mid-credit scene of Thor 2 and there's it's like going from from Shakespeare to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And that's exactly how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah. Really good description because even I'm I knew what was going on because it's, there's Benicio del Toro. I know yep. what he's doing in uh-huh. the next movie. I know what Guardians of the Galaxy is, and even I'm sitting there going, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, it was weird. I I brought some of my H period. Um, oh, because I, I have a seminar and we we read comics and stuff, so I brought some of them to see Thor too, and that was going on. <laughs> Everyone was like, "What is this?" So. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I went with a, a non-comics friend, and he enjoyed Thor, but he, he he seemed to just check out of the mid-credits, saying like he wouldn't even pay attention. I don't know what the hell this is. But. I do love me some Sif, though, so I'm hoping Thor 3 or something 
brings her in. You know, I, I'm you know, done with hired, Jane Foster, but they've hired Craig, Kyle, and Chris Yost as a team to write Thor three. Ooh, okay. That should be Chris Yost by himself, and of course, you know, there's yeah, other script doctors amazing. and stuff. Right? Yep. The second one, and I, yeah. I liked the second one, but I didn't think it was nearly as good as the first. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. But frankly, I think Kyle and Yost together is is a much better writing team than yeah. Yost by himself. I think it's, it's time to. Yeah, I think it's time to bring in Enchantress. Yeah, that could work. I, my only fear is that they're going to be really stupid and and not bring Loki back. Uh, but he's right there at the end. He's got to. Yes, but the uh, the producer, like Kevin Feige, uh, the, the big Marvel producer, said that with Thor, Avengers, and Thor 2, the Loki trilogy is over. Oh. And I want to say, you moron. Yeah. And <laughs> He's everybody's favorite character. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I guess you know, the last... I something to follow from that tease. Yeah. I guess the last book we're both reading is Young Avengers, too. Which is, you know, sadly over for a few months now, but yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't understand. Why is it so delayed? It's over. What do you mean by it's over? Number 15 was the final issue. No. Yeah. I don't believe <laughs> you didn't know that. Gillen no. uh, and McKelvey, uh, they decided it was their end point, and they... And they they talked to their editor and like you know we we could maybe do more but this is all we wanted to say and the editor decided that uh, they would go ahead and end it because you know, Young Avengers has kind of existed in this sort of short volume format and they just keep that going until the next team has some great vision. You've made me ill. I apologize. <laughs> That's terrible. This is all we wanted to say. Oh my gosh! Every it, there are all these open ends. We don't even know what's with Patriot. Who's all messed up? Did you read the last issue? Uh, yeah, but but that was still a question. It was, it was existential, but it was explained. Okay, maybe I've only read. No, I feel like I've read the last one because I get my comics late, so it's hard for yeah. me. Yeah, but well, I guess. Yeah, maybe I should read <laughs> it again. But that's a bummer. I just figured it was delayed again. Yeah, no, it was uh, the. They are at least working on some more creator-owned stuff. They got a book called The Wicked and the Divine coming, um, which is like gods and demons as pop stars because that's that's what Karen Gillan and Jamie McKelvey do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and Phonogram 3 is supposed to be coming by the end of the year, so I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I remember you You enjoy that. God, I love Phonogram. <laughs> it is The first volume is probably my favorite comic of all time, except maybe The Crow. <laughs> I remember you like The Crow. So my next discussion topic, Arrow, the TV <laughs> show. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? I think we both really love this show. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot better than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? You I mean, mean it was a lot better than you expected it to be? I'm, I'm still, to this day, I mean, we're almost through season two, and I'm still surprised by how good this show is. It's, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, in the beginning before it started, all indications were that it was going to suck. Yeah. It, it should have been crap. And yet, in the you know, from the very beginning, it was entertaining. Yep. You know, it was more of a guilty pleasure at the beginning, I think. But it was, it was a good, fun show. And then somewhere along the line, it just turned into a really good freaking show. Yeah. And it's, they've maintained that level through the second season really impressively, like, no duds at all. No even mediocre episodes. My oh. jaw is on the floor at least once or twice a week. Yeah. There's some amazing stuff. And I love just the the all the Easter eggs and, and the people they're bringing in and different characters. Mm -hmm. Characters that you normally wouldn't see, I think, and we didn't get a chance to see in Smallville. 
So I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's amazing. I love it. Well, and, uh, you know, one of the really impressive things that tells you how good it is is that they're changing so much from the comic, and yet it's still really good yeah. and still really well accepted by us comic book fans. Yeah. And, you know, usually we're the first ones to say like, that there's not as many threads on his costume as there should be. You're screwing it up. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> and, and yet it's all good. Yeah. I mean, I'm... I went back and read the the trade, the first trade of Cal Higgins' run uh, with Deathstroke and the New 52, and I was hearing it in Manu Bennett's voice. <laughs> Deathstroke in the comics isn't even supposed to be Australian, but yeah. he made such a mark on that character for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of indelible in my brain now. I'm, I love it. Do you think, I was actually shocked they introduced him, and I say early, even though we're like three quarters through, but do you think, was it a little too early to introduce him? I was pretty shocked when that happened. No, I'm surprised. I was expecting it to be the end of the first season. Yeah. You know, when we were seeing him in the flashbacks on the island, I figured, well, we're building up to the end of this season. We're going to see him in the present day. And we didn't. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Um, but, you know, doing it midway through the second season took me so completely by surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think it was great. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously, what they're going to do to top it in season three, yeah. which they have been renewed for, thank God. Awesome. Do you think they'll kill somebody off like they did Tommy? A main cast member? I hope it's Laurel. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if it's got to be somebody. I have just disliked her more and more. Um, And since the introduction of Sarah, you know, Laurel, quote-unquote, Dinah Laurel Lance isn't even Black Canary, so what is the point? Yeah. Um, And since Sarah was introduced hardcore, I've, you know, she's really become a member of the cast. I've really just been wanting to kill off Laurel and replace her with Sarah. But my fear is, you know, the only reason that Sarah is still just a guest star and not a regular is because she's going to be killed off. And that would really, really suck. It would. Do you think Felicity and uh, Oliver will ever get together? Oh, it's shipper time. Uh, <laughs> it is! I just want them to be together. I just feel it'll happen once and that they'll realize it won't work. But it's... Felicity's one of my favorite characters. I think she's so cute. I actually started out really not liking her, but I, I love her now. Um, I, I started out not liking her because she's so clearly just Chloe from Smallville. I love Chloe, <laughs> but yeah. at first it was just like, why are – if you want Chloe, just bring in Chloe, for God's sake. Um, but, and you know, as far as the shipping thing goes, she's still Chloe, and she's lusting after the main character, and she's not going to get him. Now, Chloe actually got Green Arrow, but <laughs> that's, that's – uh, it's not the comparison I'm making here. Yeah. No, if, I don't. Th- I don't think they're ever going to be together. I think it's going to be the same thing they did with Chloe for ten years. Yeah, just drag her along. Do you? If well, that Flash show is going to be up and running. Do you think they'll move Felicity over to that show? I'd be sad. <laughs> I think she works really well on on Arrow, and yeah. um, and frankly, from what I've seen with uh, casting announcements, Flash is building plenty of cast on its own. Yeah. So that that should be interesting. I I thought it was finally a sign that Arrow really cannot do wrong when they made Barry Allen not suck. Right. Because so, I really don't like Barry Allen. I, I'm really not a fan. And yet I, I enjoyed him and his two episodes of Arrow enough that I'll take a look at Flash. I guess I have... Why don't you like Barry Allen? Well, um... 
he is a ridiculous mama's boy who raped his friend's histories by going back in time to save his mommy. And now in the rebooted universe, he's just written like Wally West because Wally West is much better. But we don't get Wally West except for some idiot in a black costume in a couple of months. So basically you, you dislike him because of everything that happened in Flashpoint. Partially. Um, I think, and you know, you can't separate my views from the fact that Wally West is the Flash that I knew. Yeah. So I, I freely admit bias there. But for me, when I go back and, and read the older stuff, Barry's fine. I, I have respect for him being where these things come from. But he wasn't as good or as fun or as interesting a character as Wally West. And then when they brought him back, um, even Jeff Johns, who I like was really writing him a lot a lot younger, a lot more like Wally to make him more popular, which just completely marginalizes Wally. And then very quickly we get the Flashpoint story where he is the reason the whole universe is screwed. <laughs> how can how can you respect that? Yeah. So I I just don't like him and and yeah, I admit that my views are biased, but they're my views. <laughs> so will you watch a Flash TV show? Yeah. Uh okay. so the the, the two parter of Arrow was enough to get me to take a look at the Flash, and it's yeah. mostly, if not entirely, the same creative team as Arrow. So it's there you go. clearly they know what they're doing. Yep. My final discussion topic is Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I promise not to spoil anything. Say, remembering that I've watched the show, yeah, not read the yeah, books. and I I had a marathon. I guess a couple last week. Yeah, because we had some snow days and stuff. Uh, so I watched season three, marathoned it. And uh, yikes is all I have to say about the Red <laughs> Wedding. Uh, again, just that whole scene, spoiler, where Black Walder Frey comes up behind Talisa and is stabbing her in the womb was perhaps the most gruesome thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, this is, this is where I keep questioning how much I like Game of Thrones um, because I feel it goes so overboard on on the violence and the gore and just, you know, how horrible of things can we come up with for these people to go through constantly. And there are times where there's just such great characterization and, you know, great intricate storylines and interesting stuff going on that I'm really into it. And there are other times where I feel like the whole thing, the whole episode that week or whatever, just exists for how many more horrible things can we do to these people. And I don't find that entertaining. So, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody that is looking for censoring or, you know, is, is down on violence or anything. I enjoy Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, it's just, you know, sometimes it feels like way too much. And that, that was one of those times for me. And, yeah. I, you know, I keep watching it. I'll, I'll give season four a try. But my interest has gone down in the past two years like the, the first season i loved it and the second season i was still really enjoying it but i think especially once it got into the third season it was feeling like more of a slog to get through gotcha i uh i guess because i read the books that it's like more entertaining for me especially because i've kind of existed in that world and seen every like little <laughs> gruesome detail spread out into words. Definitely seeing the show without having read the books. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, still there are some moments that I, I certainly cringe, but I guess I'm, I'm better prepared for them. But I do agree. I love the exposition that they have uh, with certain characters and really developing them. I think Jamie is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. 
because he starts out. I know you've always liked him, but you know he starts out. Yeah, but I always me. liked him in more of a you know roguish sort gotcha. of. He's a but he's fun. <laughs> season three was when he actually became a great character. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just that whole journey watching them. Um, but I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see. Season four will be really interesting because they kind of have to do two books. Well, they've got to finish this one out, the third book, and then they've got to do two books side by side. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Well, uh, you know, they're. I, I don't remember what the exact thing is because it was so daggone complicated, but they've come up with a plan for, uh, you know, what partial book they're going to do per season now. Right. Um, I guess because, you know, he still hasn't written the last two books, so they're probably trying to buy some time. Um, but, I mean, the way they're talking, they're going to need a good 10 years to get through this at this point, and I just hope it doesn't get canceled before they get to finish their story, because yes, it's doing really well now, Yeah. but it's an incredible amount of hubris to say we're just, we're going to go ahead and stretch this out and yeah. gonna stay popular for 10 years. And they've got to, I almost wait, want them to sort of stop at a certain point and wait for him to finish his books. Well, and of course, we just got to hope that he finishes them before, before he, you know, dies. he dies. Well, he told, um, the, he told the creators that what, he how he wants them to end. Yeah, but still, you know, for the people that have read the books, I I, I want them to be able to get all that yeah, before he dies. Yeah, it's sad. Who do you think, how do you think it's going to end, if you were to think ahead? I think everybody is going to be dead except one person who is <laughs> as miserable as it's possible, terrible. and George R. R. Martin's going to walk on screen and flip <laughs> off the audience. Oh, my God. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that's about you know the, the general attitude seems to be just screw all of you who do you think is going to be that one person do you have a horse in the race i don't know well I, I, frankly if Tyrion or Arya dies i'm gonna have to think real hard about whether i'm gonna keep watching oh that'd be a bummer yeah or or daenerys for that matter because Ooh. man will that whole story have felt pointless if she does well let me tell you what I've I've read five books and they're also alive. Okay. <laughs> no, I there's wouldn't have said anything otherwise. You, there's like bated breath. I like I heard the microphone shift. I wondered yeah. if you're gonna drop the call. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's threatened. Better to do not that. tell me what. No. <laughs> Better. <laughs> but at least book wise, they are still alive. Uh, I I figure if any of them, I I think Tyrion dying at the end, and you know <laughs> my. My best case scenario ending is that you know Daenerys and Arya just end up sharing the throne and yeah. everybody's happy, but I doubt that's actually going to happen. Yes, we'll see. I think I do think that Danny is is going to be on the Iron Throne at the end. That is my picture of the ending. But I'm also thinking that there's going to be a romance between Jon and Danny. Jon Snow. Yes, even I though he's... like him a lot more than I do. I do. Which is not difficult because I don't really care for him. Yeah. He's got, I mean, I don't know. I just like kind of his, his ideals and how he... I don't know. The only plus to his storyline for a while for me has been Hot Redhead. Egret? Yep. As soon as she came on screen, like, okay, I'll, I'll watch your storyline. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> we better get interested because winter's coming and all those others are going to... Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yep. Oh, what do you think about the uh, last thing? What do you think about Melisander? Um, she's creepy. Yeah, I would agree. Shadow baby. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, that was yeah, very disturbing. I, was, I watched uh, when I was in LA. I watched Game of Thrones with my roommate. Actually, that just occurred to me. I'm not gonna be able to watch it with him anymore. That sucks. And that episode, we both just like completely lost our minds. And then that turned out to not be the most shocking thing in the episode when freaking Joffrey and his hookers like oh 
Oh yeah. That was a tough episode to get through. You bet. Yeah, Joffrey's he's uh he's a crazy guy. I just wanted to die a lot, hard. Yeah. Bruce Willis style. Wow. I don't. Maybe he'll come on in season four. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> he's got a gun. Shoots Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, be sure to stay tuned after uh, this show for a discussion about Game of Thrones with somebody else, with Jason, actually. But actually, do not listen. I really implore you, do not listen if you only watch the show because we, we've we read all the books, so we spoil lots of things. So, spoilers. Spoilers. So, so Kevin. So I'm supposed to be a special guest here, and you got me on talking about my interests and whatnot, and it turns out I'm just a teaser for what comes later with Mr. Jason. No, no, no. You're, you're the special it. guest, okay? Uh-huh. That was just like a side dish. That was an advertisement in the middle of my time. I'm so sorry. Well, I guess we'll move on into our main event here. Before that, I did have two emails, and one is very pertinent with the detective comics that we're reading. But from Terrence, he wrote in about the Shipper special and said that it was a great song that I used for Joker and Harley, which I assume was the Eminem and Rihanna. I love the way you lie. But he said I could have also used the He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss. I'm afraid I've not heard that song before, but I'll have to look it up on the YouTube do you know, have you, I I don't know. Uh, I I'm reminded of of Kiss with a Fist by Florence and the Machine. Oh, there you go. I could have done that. And <laughs> then I asked Chris, Chris Carnes, who who does the Batman sixty six, because I just wondered why is James Gordon wandering around very forlorn and sad, and apparently he retired as commissioner. And I'm I just don't since I don't read consecutively all those detectives, it was lost on me. And so he wrote back and he said that recently elected Gotham City Mayor Hamilton Hill demanded that Gordon resign due to his age. And Hill also didn't like Gordon's association with Batman. I think this went down a few issues before the ones that I was talking about. Uh, Hill replaced Gordon with a Rupert Thorne crony. You know, I read the uh, I read the lead story and Detective Number Five Eighteen and Gordon and Jason Bard got beaten did, up by yes, the cops. They did. Yes, they did. Jerks. Yep. Kevin's going to take lead on on the old issues, and there were. I decided that. We're, we're entering into a Babs era where she's about to appear with quotation marks and more issues than she actually has a story. And so now since we're getting into this, I figured I should at least tell you how she's appearing. So I'm skipping two of those issues. Batman 349, which came out in July 1982. The story was called Bloodsport. Uh, still we have Gordon, and he's pretty heartbroken after having resigned as police commissioner. And Babs actually brings Jason Bard. It's been so long since they've been together. It's so sad. Uh, to her father's house to witness how heartbroken he is. And she actually lets slip that Jason has so much work running his detective agency that he's looking for a partner. So hint, hint there. Then Babs turns on the TV. Mayor Hill's handpicked commissioner, Peter Pauling, states that they have instituted a mandatory retirement after 20 years of service. And Gordon becomes incensed because the force is going to be losing all its best men. And apparently this was Babs' plan all along to get him heated up. Jason again mentions the partner he needs and that they can start investigating the November election and Gordon agrees. So that's how that ends with Babs. She's just playing middleman. And then in Batman 352, which came out in August 1982, and the story was The Killer Sky, we actually have what happens after Detective 518. Gordon's really beat up. He's in the hospital. And Babs says he's just too old for cops and robbers. But Jason, who's also beat up, says that it's worth it to him because he isn't going to let the new commissioner and a uniformed officer run roughshod over Gotham. And speaking of the mayor, he comes in to see Gordon and stop 
the investigation over the November elections. And the uniformed officer ends up threatening him, but Batman bursts in. He tells the two that they are disgraces to the badge and says he will go after them. And then Gordon tells Batman that uh, they know they have phony and incriminating photos, which they used during the election, but they are lacking proof, and Jason and Gordon have gone as far as they can, but Batman will take it from there. So Bab's not really playing too big of a part. So let's see if, you know, her her story here in Detective Comics 518 and 519 can make up for that. Well, it probably won't. But... <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> Okay, so we're starting with Detective Comics number 518 from September 1982. He with secrets fears the sound, dot, dot, dot. And this one's got some really good names of people that worked on it. It's written by Barbara J. Randall, art by Trevor Von Eden, lettered by Milt Snappen, colored by Jerry Serpy, and edited by the great Dick Giordano. I just really liked Von Eden and Snappen. So... Barbara Gordon is working at her job at the Humanities Research and Development, literally thinking about how important it is to help people. When she hears a scream and springs into action as the Dark Knight Damsel TM, a computer mogul named Ward Gilbert is under attack by the Velvet Tiger and her henchmen, who steal the program from him. After she gets away, Ward explains that the Velvet Tiger is really his sister, Lonnie Gilbert, and the program she stole will allow her to get information from any computer made by their company, which is apparently a lot. Dun-dun-dun! To be continued. Detective Comics number 519, October 1982, dot-dot-dot, when Velvet Paws caress the ground, which is the answer to last issue's title's question of... What sound does he with secrets fear? Well, it's, it's Velvet Paws caressing the ground. <laughs> you seem so excited about this. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So this was still by Barbara Randall, art by Trevor Von Eden, this time also with Rudin Rodriguez, lettered by Janice Chang, colored by Jean D'Angelo, and still edited by Dick Giordano. I do love that these stories are written by Barbara and edited by Dick. That's just cool. Yeah! <laughs> so, um, after the events of last issue, which were exciting, both Batgirl and Ward Gilbert are independently making their way to Gilcom, where the Velvet Tiger and her henchmen are using her new toy. Gil, it turns out, is a really strange dude who seems to think of the Velvet Tiger as a separate identity from his sister, and he likes to flip-flop back and forth between, I'm gonna kill her and I have to protect her. His being an idiot basically stymies Batgirl's efforts entirely, and in the end, she takes out all the henchmen, and the files are destroyed, but the Velvet Tiger gets away. Ward refuses to help because he won't put his sister in jail, as he says, even though he was about to shoot her about 60 seconds prior to that. So, you know, stand-up guy. Barbara Gordon goes home, wondering if her values are outdated, and then hugs the crap out of her dad for no apparent reason. Cause the end. He, yeah, I know, because he's excited and he insulted her, but she was okay with it. It's the weirdest little succession of panels, because she's... I would agree. She's complaining about, uh, you know, what happened, uh, you know, with the Velvet Tiger, and all Commissioner Gordon says is, and she got away, and then there are two silent panels of her face changing from anger to surprise to what looks kind of like horniness, <laughs> and then, <laughs> I love you, Dad, and hugs him. 
it, it's I can't figure it out. I looked at it like five times, thinking I was missing something. Kept rereading it, and no, I really wasn't missing anything. It's just really weird. Yeah, I I I don't know. I also had that that issue there. I was I actually marked that in my in my notes. Well, if we're if we're to start with the previous issue. Uh, <sighs> These two, I guess, like I said at the beginning, this is sort of the end of the era. I think it's very noticeable now that we're getting towards her retirement. She's openly contemplating how long she can keep up a double life. And, and even at the end, you know, being upset at, at people not having the same ethics that she does. I don't really want this sort of thing to continue. Uh, I mean, complaining about everything all the time. I, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, the art, the art, I think something I don't normally talk about, very different. And these are actually, you know, you like the names, but these are like first timer, except for uh, Snap in there. But these are names that are coming on for the first time with Batgirl stories. Um, and I think the art is, is just wildly different. I think Batgirl is very much portrayed like Batman, where you see her sort of standing in the shadows and, and her features are masked. What did you think of, of the art? Could you notice a change from, from any old issues maybe you read with her? Or not as I, much? I, I obviously haven't been following along reading all the issues that you have. Um, I just I did notice the art in that I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was... It was a very classic style, but also kind of had its own identity, mm-hmm. um, which is – it's good. And, you know, it, that might sound like – well, well, of course it did, Kev. Um, but, but for me, you know, these are people that I have never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, they don't seem to have gotten any, any acclaim or a whole hell of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I – you wouldn't expect it to be that good. But yeah, I, I specifically thought it was good art, except for, of course, those last couple of panels, which, not having seen the script, I don't know if that's the writer or the artist's fault. It may be one or the other, it may be both, it's impossible to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and not count that against them and say I enjoyed the art. And I was actually looking at this thinking how much more <laughs> I like this look for Batgirl, uh, for Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, than I do the current New 52 one. Yeah, I would agree that I do like her design here. As well. And one of the best things about it for me, um, one of, there, there are many. Um, I, I really like how the, the eye holes are very large, uh, so they actually go around her eyes so you can see Barbara Gordon's eyes very well. You know, it's not just the whited out slits of a Batman cowl or half the time a modern Batgirl cowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that 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 changes it seems like a lot in the modern right. one, right? When the victim, which I guess we could call the brother, is calling Velvet Tiger his sweet sister, I do have to say that all I could think about was Jamie Lannister, because <laughs> actually he calls Cersei that a lot. Um, which hopefully he'll do that in in season four uh, when he's reunited with her. Uh, I think explanations are needed on what Gilcom is, what sorts of things could actually be done with the program that was stolen. I mean, we, we get the sense that you can tap into any other computer with Gilcom components. Hello, girl, dragon tattoo. But, I mean, what what are they going to use that for? Uh, which I, I, I guess we get into with 519, but it just seems like we're supposed to understand and know what's going on right away. Yeah, and near the beginning of Part 2... 
the Velvet Tiger, while monologuing aloud, you know, says something about a chemical company that has that they have a contract right. with. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, we don't we don't know if you know they make an incredible amount of personal computers uh-huh. or if it's just business computers. How many businesses? Um, you're right. It's it's sort of ill-defined, but you know, the very idea of this sort of a program, I think. Uh, in 1982 <laughs> was a very sort of abstract, ill-defined idea in itself. Yeah. You know, these days, it's just she, she got a hacker machine. You know, she, all she actually needed to do was hire a teenager in, in 2014. So I, I think it was a very different thing at the time, and they probably didn't think as specifically about it as we would now because it seems more like, well, yeah, of course that kind of thing exists. How, you know, you called him a weird, a weird fellow, uh, and I do have to say that it was such a sinister and sudden change from this like brother being really caring, and then all of a sudden he's flashing a gun and saying mm-hmm. that Lonnie will never make a fool of him again. Yeah, and he... He does. He goes on this whole thing. First, okay, at the end of part one, he pulls out the gun, like, you know, I'm not going to let her, blah, 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 and then runs off, like, okay, I'm going to go kill her. Then we get to the beginning of part two, and he goes into the building with the gun drawn, like, I'm going to go shoot some people. <laughs> and then he's he's got this whole internal monologue going of how he always cleans up after her, yep. and he's cleaning up the evidence after her now to help his sister. And then, you know, like, I'll take care of you as usual, he says in his mind. And then the very next panel, we have a very sinister panel of him with the gun beside his face saying, yes, I'll take care of you. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> he seems crazier than the girl in the tiger outfit I in the middle agree. of a well-lit computer room. Yes. And by the way, she's, like, supposed to be a cyber criminal. Why does she even have a damn tiger outfit? Yeah, my my other issue... Well, there are two things about that. Number one, I think it's overplayed now, the cat. Just the cat mm-hmm. montage. I mean, we have Catwoman, we have Catman. I think maybe too many cats. Do we oh, really yeah, need had, tiger? I mean, I read the Velvet Tiger, and like, so, as opposed to the Bronze Tiger, right? I know, right? Unless this was the Bronze Tiger's Velvet phase. and. <laughs> And you have links somewhere else. And yeah, they're, they're yeah. just cats everywhere. The other issue is we learn in the second part that she's actually half owner of Gilcom. So why does she need to steal anything or break in or steal from her brother? It's it's very strange. And of course, yeah, we, we never get much of an origin of why she even is this way, except yeah. to say that she's greedy. Well, she seems to be part owner, half owner of a really successful company. Mm-hmm. So she's apparently actually very wealthy. And her motivations is simply she's more greedy than that. So she put on a cat costume and started hacking. Yeah. <laughs> hacking. Yeah. Strange. It is. Uh, I do have an issue with um, the beginning of 519. The fact that we get more backstory in this issue on the intro page than we did the whole previous issue. <laughs> like things that weren't even brought up in the previous issue were brought up on the intro page and I thought to myself well that was a good use of eight pages in the previous issue yeah I agreed and I mean they even got through that in half a page you know yeah. it's, it's half recap page and then the other half we're moving right along yeah got our first full view of the Velvet Tiger on that page we didn't even yes. like, see her in the last issue no and of course that's fine because she looks like a bad tiger ripoff but Oh, gosh. So when she leaves, she actually makes a threat that she knows many powerful people, and I'm wondering if she 
uh, actually if this is true and if she's going to return. Do you think that she could return? Would you would you care about her her bringing back some big people like the Kingpin? Uh, that would be a great crossover. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if she brought in the Kingpin to fight Batgirl, I would care. Um, just because it's a crossover, but no, I think this looks like it was it was built so Velvet Tiger might be an ongoing villain for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but since you say you know this is all going down the tubes very quickly, I doubt that's actually happened. Yeah, I think it's probably something that Barbara Randall was thinking of, but didn't get to carry out because really this story has no point. Yeah, the the woman gets away at the end, yeah. and this will be a backstory that has a point if Velvet Tiger comes back and like hurts somebody. Yes. But if if that doesn't happen, then this is this is literally a pointless sixteen. Yeah, pages. I'm I'm interested to see if it will. And you know the the brother he goes from caring to psychotic, and now he's gone from psychotic to caring again because he just shoots the computer terminal and lets Velvet Tiger go, which I thought was very bizarre. And it's it's maybe my favorite bit of art in the whole thing though is <laughs> just the the hunched over what the hell look that Batgirl has when she yells what at yeah. his face. She, she's like an internet meme at that point. She's just so completely flabbergasted by yes. what the hell this idiot is saying to her. Exactly. It, it's really amusing. Which then leads her again to just contemplating the fact that maybe she's outdated. Her values are only important to herself. So, and you know, I again. get where that's apparently going towards her retirement, but I yeah. hate it. Oh, I, I agree. The idea, it, yeah. I think it makes her so weak. Uh-huh. If she, I mean, okay, a person can have these thoughts, but if she then quits because of them, that makes her a weak character to me. Yeah. And that's not how I think of Barbara Gordon at all. Yeah. Except in the New 52, when she's a very weak character. Yeah. And, and this has happened before, especially after she lost her congressional seat, but her father was there to really shine the light and let her know that there are other ways that she can she can help out uh and that's when she decided to work for hrd and 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 still be back girl but i guess now that's sort of wearing off well just you know the the line here is she says maybe i'm becoming outdated the values i protect don't seem to be important to anybody but myself like that sounds like a superman crisis of conscience you know mm-hmm. i i just it seems so weird for Barbara Gordon, especially for her to to be vexed that much after facing such a clearly crazy moron and she, a guy she's looking at as a crazy moron. I just I don't understand how he had that big of an effect on her and and yeah, if this is what leads to her quitting, then that's just sucky. Yeah. So then we have this this final scene after Velvet Tider runs off. I do have to say I don't understand why the brother didn't get thrown into jail for at least assisting or resisting, but whatever. Mm. So Gordon somehow knows Velvet Tiger, uh, which I'm shocked about because it seemed like that was like her first time. Even that she was involved in computer crimes, mm. even though Batgirl, I think, had no idea who it was. So I thought that was a little odd. But then, yeah, this is it. She goes off on how Tiger makes her ashamed to be a woman. And then Gordon makes that joke, you know, and she got away. Meaning, you know, he he would have thought she got locked up. And, yeah, Bab smiles. And I just feel like, you know, that's a fresh wound. And she really wouldn't appreciate it. But, yeah, she smiles and hugs her dad. It's not even that I disagree with her response as that I can't see any any rational way one leads to the next at all. 
There's nothing to disagree with. This just yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. And she got away. I love you, Dad. What? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know, to be honest. So, yeah, it was a very, it was a weird, lackluster story that it then ended on one of the weirdest sequences I've ever seen. What what would you, out of ten, what would you give this this story? The whole two-parter is a... Yeah, yep. Three, maybe? Okay. Okay. It's really low. <laughs> it is. It is really low. I actually, I was going back and forth. It's definitely lower, actually, and I, I never would have thought than the last story where Bad Girl turns into a snake. Um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I'm sort of vast. I guess I'll give it 3.5 because I'm kind of going back. But she really did. That's not a joke. She did turn into a snake. Yeah. Um, it was a 3.5 uh, because I'm going back and forth between 3 and 4. But it was just such a jumble of a story. I think there were weird changes of character attitudes and motives and just a little too much written on faith that we would accept it or believe it. And, and just a little too much being forced upon us involving Batgirl's thoughts and feelings. So I, I, I don't like that at all. And even when you're writing, you know, eight-page backups, yeah, it is your responsibility to make to, to give the story a point. Exactly. I have to feel like I came away having, you know, gained something from those eight pages. You bet. Even yeah. if it's just entertainment, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Just entertainment is fine. Shoot yeah. for that, and that we didn't even hit that. No, we didn't. I did come away with you know some some snarky things to say on a podcast, so I guess that's something. And that's there the you go. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, and you know, to to slightly go back to our our Marvel discussion for two seconds, I've recently been uh, like reading the original early Moon Knight stories. Okay. And I just finished reading. A, a collection of the Moon Knight backup stories from a Hulk magazine in the 1970s. And, you know, these are also backup stories. I didn't count the page numbers, but they're probably about seven to eight pages, too. And every one of those stories, when I finished it, I was, felt like, man, these creators really knew what they were doing with this character right from the beginning. These are such great stories. I'm so glad that I was able to get these things collected, even though I can't get those magazines. And it just makes me want to read more. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about, you know, people with the same amount of space to work with, and they don't have the kind of iconic character of Barbara Gordon and Commissioner Gordon, you know, her whole cast to deal with. They were just scratching it out with something new. So I, I really can't look at this and say, well, you only had eight pages to deal with. You did your best because you can do so much better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It just didn't make sense. The story was so weird. Mm-hmm. Weird because it didn't make sense. Not weird because anything strange happens. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're going to call this over, the the vintage anyways. Uh, but we're going to come back. We'll see if Kevin has anything to say about these new issues that we're going to review. So we'll come back and review Backworld 28, uh, which actually sets a record, I think, for Backworld Oracle. And Birds of Prey number 28. But first we have Zias's Radio Hour featuring Hands of Time by Rachel Diggs. Life is a carousel Dancing around the mirrors we go
Okay, so we're back now. Kevin, 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 Kevin. Kevin didn't do his homework. <laughs> no, well, it's just not exactly true. I, no, I, I know, I know. But it wasn't but, technically assigned. Yeah, I yeah. Let me let the audience know what's going on. I begged off <laughs> of reading, <laughs> which uh, is fine with me. The modern issues for this podcast because you know originally when when Stella asked me to be on the show, I'm like yes, absolutely, I, I love being on the show. I will come and talk to you, and this will be great. And then we get into talking about it, and I realize I'm going to have to read new issues of of Batgirl and Birds of Prey from the New Fifty Two, aren't I? <laughs> and I I have read some of this stuff. I, I tried. Batgirl for the first four or five issues and couldn't take it and dropped it. I came back and tried again for uh, Death of the Family and read one issue and it was one of the worst things I've ever read. Um, I came back again 
and read the two Ray Fox issues, which weren't bad, and then tried the next issue, which continued the story and couldn't even get more than a few pages into it. So I really just could not face the prospect of, of reading another issue of this. Um, so, yeah, this is my fault. I, I asked Stella if I could just go ahead and not read these, but I will, I'll, I'll be the silent partner just reacting to what she says for this. I'm sure, you know, you all tune in to, to listen to what she wants to say anyway, so <laughs> I'm sure we'll be fine. Well, it's better, I guess, that one person suffered rather than two people. But listeners, you remember, though, that I liked the previous two issues of Batgirl. Uh, of Batgirl. Um, so this may come as a shock, but I just want you to remember that I don't attack things unless I feel uh, provoked, and I was provoked by this writing. Uh, okay. So that's my, my positive. I do also want to let you know that Newsarama gave this a 7 out of 10. And IGN gave this a 7.9 out of 10. So people, some people out there did, in fact, like it. So I thought I would open up uh, with nice things before the venom starts flying. Because this issue sets the first time record for uh, Batgirl the Oracle. Um, so maybe you're excited about this. So let's just get into this, or let me anyways. <laughs> Batgirl 28, it's known Silver. Silver. And this was actually I was excited about because it it's about vampires, and Kevin, he loves vampires, but I'm so glad he didn't read this. <laughs> Writer Gil Simone, pencils Fernando Passarin, inker Jonathan Glapion, and colorist Blonde. So secluded in the Gotham suburbs is a mansion with a Mr. Uchida, a.k.a. Silver, and his caretaker, Miss Targa. Basically a Mercy Graves, Lex Luthor kind of situation. He gets a bath, has posters of his favorite villains, I mean freedom fighters, names his weapons, and even has mock statues of his least favorite bat heroes, which he ends up shooting. It's, it's a lovely character. Elsewhere, Batgirl's on the hunt for the Brisby killer copycats. Can you believe that only three months has passed in this book since issue number one I can't believe it and she knows that she's being tailed by somebody so she finds the copycats at a playground she leaps down to get them but she's beaten to the punch and finds them all knocked out so she knows it's got to be her tail she shadow boxes until she finally connects with her tail and realizes it's Strix so apologies follow at least on Batgirl's side because Strix can't talk Batgirl refreshes our memories as to who Strix is, if we've not been reading Birds of Prey, and where she's been. And then Strix tells Batgirl that she's been looking for an abducted girl, Sissy Chastain, to whom she feels a connection because she also is unable to speak. So Batgirl ties up these copycats, she leaves them, and one of them's wearing a Bella Lugosi mask. So he looks like a vampire. And she goes to help Strix. So Silver has been following Batgirl and Strix, and he sees through his binoculars the two of them feeding on the perpetrators that they brought down. And Silver goes to these perps and he stakes them through the heart saying that basically they thank him because they don't want to be a, uh, a creature of the night. So meanwhile, this is my favorite part. Meanwhile, <laughs> Batgirl calls Sharice Carnes for help. That's right, her enemy. Uh, to find the little girl. And she even says that she's going to owe her one. What great friendship. At Batgirl's apartment, while Alicia is away as a, at a protest, so it's really great to see that Alicia has, she's back to that now. Uh, Babs and Strix, uh, Strix is now unmasked with a bandaged face. They do a short fashion show in order to find clothes to go undercover. No, that prom dress is not going to work for you, Strix. I kid you not, she pulled out a prom dress. 
The two go as GCBD cops to the house of the missing girl and talk to her mother, who is still clearly upset about the whole thing. The police suspect the father, who disappeared last year, but the mother doesn't agree. Silver and his caretaker have bugged the Chastain residence and watched this conversation and then meet up with Babs and Strix. So Silver accuses the two of being bats who keep the city in constant economic turmoil. And the bats are also the vampires in his mind. And this uh, this makes weird sense to Bab. She even says that. But she quickly walks away. A fight then ensues. People are punched and sliced. Babs kicks the guy in the groin, but he's actually wearing an athletic cup. The cops arrive. They're ready to open fire. Uh, but Silver surrenders, which is odd. And he tells Babs that he has won because he has the queen vampire locked up with an incendiary device which will go off at dawn. And guess who the queen is? Well, it's this little girl, sissy, who's actually writing a note in crayons that begs for help. And next up we have Conspiracy of Bats. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) I just don't... Oh, okay. The word I used on TBU was atrocious. Oh, Okay, well, I'm going to hit you up first because I actually kind of go page page for page. Uh, so it's actually, like, I'm just like, rip it apart, I promise you. But what do you think, Kevin? Um, you read, you said you read the first four issues. The fact that we are in issue 28, we've gone through several different villains. We had Death of the Family. She was being hunted by her own father for, quote, killing James Jr., end quote. And now here we are, and it's basically three months after number one. What are your thoughts on this timeline? Do you think that's believable? It makes no sense to me. Okay. Um, Especially when you consider that she's been tied into all of these Bat Family events. You know, death of the family and then Damien's death. Because, um, you know, we had that issue, that Batman and Batgirl issue, yep. where it was clearly during the time of that. We had the Nightwing annual. I don't think, you know, maybe if this book was off all by itself, it could have been three months, even though, you know, that's a lot to happen to you in three uh-huh. months. Um, but, you know, the, I, I can't swallow the idea that all of this stuff in the New 52 has been happening within three months. Yeah. Although, I guess it follows along the incredibly compressed timeline of, you know, the superheroes have been around for five years and Batman goes through a Robin a year. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it strikes me as very, very weird though. And just the idea that she would impose that very specific time frame on the story. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. I guess technically it says a few months ago, but I take that to mean. Yeah. Three is a fair reading of that. Yeah. But, you know, another issue is just that Batgirl is calling Ricky her quasi-boyfriend, and she met him, well, the disgrace cut his leg off. They weren't dating then. And then she met him at, like, a hot dog stand-ish thing, and then they dated, and then he got shot by her father. But they're not, I don't know, it's so weird. But I, I just think that's that's pretty, pretty odd. Uh, the villain here, wow, um, I wish you could see him. I feel like he gives a vampire hunter a bad name. Uh, I've seen the cover. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the cover? He looks more of a, of, a, of a Bruce Lee with a gun wannabe. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very strange. And I read the in the, um, the solicitation for next month that he's supposed to have some kind of a connection to uh, Andrew Bennett of I, Vampire. And I think that's just very, very sad for Andrew Bennett. Mm-hmm. That is so I assure bad. you he's not from that book. Yeah. 
Uh, I d- does Lex Mercy vibe? I don't know. I feel like that's sort of copying, uh, especially because she just goes along with whatever, and he's obviously psychotic because he's seeing things that aren't really going on. Um, and Mercy's just sort of, well, whatever her name is, Miss Targa is just sort of following along. But uh, it, it's it it also seemed like there may be some sort of sexual relationship going on because I think she like bathed him. Um, so that's very odd. The Freedom Fighter posters that he have, I, I can't see the one in the, la- in the last bit, though it could be Nightfall because she's got, like, there's a purple cloak and everything, but Penguin, Two-Face, and Joker, and so it makes you ask, like, what is a Freedom Fighter for him? And I guess it could be any villain that, that takes on the Bat family if he thinks they're vampires, but still, still strange. It's such a weird thing to go with yeah uh so now i'm gonna i'm gonna go you know bit by bit here uh i do ask the question do we even care about the the brisby killers enough from issue number one to even want to see any copycat killers did you care about them i don't remember them they were the one well, she, that was like her first case she's like watching them she bursts in then he holds a gun at her and she freaks out remember yeah, that? frankly i was so bored <laughs> reading those first couple issues that I didn't retain a whole lot. I was just kind of breezing uh, through it. Bored wouldn't it be my... Mine would be like, I was angry. <laughs> I was just like, good God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get through. <sighs> Again, we're back to the forced Batgirl voice. Uh, and just, you know, like trying to be funny or just it doesn't work for her. So here's a quote I pulled out. Oh, there you are, you bastards. You like breaking into people's homes and terrorizing them, right? Tonight you'll learn what terror is. And this is all to herself. She's not talking to anybody. <laughs> I mean, do you really imagine Barbara Gordon saying any of that? No, it's stupid enough if she's saying it to them, but yeah. there's literally no point to say that to yourself. Exactly. I. Why is Batgirl being tailed? Why isn't she concerned about that? I mean, she's just like, I can tell I'm being tailed, and I can tell that they're good. If you know that you're being tailed, why are you not doing anything to stop that from happening while i turn around exactly (laughs) i mean that's like the worst thing to have happen because especially if she's off on some other mission then her attention is diverted and that's the time that they're gonna take you out so you know like i can tell they're good imagine exactly imagine the people that could be you know it could be lady shiva it could be deathstroke you bet so, yeah, I don't know about that. She says that, I mean, she's basically jumping from the roof to the ground, and so she saw the Brisby killers through her binoculars. She jumps down, and they're taken out. I think that's a little too fast for anything to have happen, even with Strix. I mean, did she close her eyes when she was leaping down to the ground that she couldn't tell what happened? But this also, if Strix is that good, which she is because she's a talon, I do have an issue just with the fact that they have this fight and then Batgirl's actually able to connect with Strix because, I mean, Batgirl isn't really the best fighter of the New 52. She's actually not very good at all. She has good moments and then I'm excited for that book and I give it a high rating. But then, <laughs> mm. but it doesn't really make sense that uh, I think she'd be able to, to knock Strix down. But, you know, to be honest, it's weird that Strix even takes down the Brisby copycats or how she knows that that's what Batgirl wants to do. I mean, did she read her mind? Because she wants to find this little girl and she's only looking for Batgirl to help her because she's a detective. So I'm wondering why Strix is being a creeper and following Batgirl around instead of just getting to her directly since they're on the same Birds of Prey team. Yep. Not, <laughs> Got nothing. Not, yeah, exactly. Hey, this one of my biggest problems, Batgirl calling Charisse, a.k.a. Nightfall, for info on the missing girl. 
And then Batgirl saying that she will owe her one. So let's, I mean, we had that wonderful um, Gothtopia crossover with Batgirl, and we saw that Charisse in that, in that nice little dream world is BFFs with Babs. And, of course, we wondered, you know, what, what does that mean? Does that mean deep down she feels like that could happen? Uh, which I think was the weirdest part of that world uh and that there were other ways or other characters that they could have had i have such a big issue with her calling a villain i mean this is almost tantamount to joker keep in mind nightfall just sent a kill squad to take out gordon her own father so she's gonna call up the person who was in charge of all that and say hey i'll owe you one are you joking are you i mean that that it makes me really upset uh, I'm glad to see Alicia is at a protest again. Uh, it was funny. Donovan asked, you know, does she still do a protest thing? And I said, you know, I, I just don't know. And here she is. The fashion show. Somebody's calling me. Who's that? Okay. The fashion show. With, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. The fashion I'm show. Seen, folks. <laughs> the fashion show with Strix, I think, is, is probably meant to be cute, but it's actually really sad. And again, I just feel forced. I mean, let's go with the most extreme clothing, a pink prom dress. And I do also wonder why does Babs still have that? It's it's just such a a bad trope too. Like yeah. okay, women get together, they gotta try on clothes. And and I understand this is written by a woman, but honestly, Gail Simone has written some of the more sexist crap I've seen. If you remember the penguins, like what fantasy with the birds of prey? Oh yeah. So this this sort of thing reminds me of that sort of thing. It makes me wonder what the hell she's doing. Yep. I wonder how Strix could even go undercover with how she looks. I mean, she has bandages across her face. Hey, I some think. people do. You know, it's all good. Oh, is that it's a serious a thing? You know. Uh, okay. No, serious? I have no, <laughs> I have no idea why you. <laughs> I was like, that. maybe now I feel bad, like I insulted a, a percentage of my listening audience. <laughs> they have bandages. If if you do have bandages, that's fine. But it's kind of an identifying mark. Yeah. Uh, Babs is getting message, text messages from Ricky, uh, and she calls him her quasi-boyfriend. And I'm just wondering how true this is. Aren't you basically full-fledged when you're so distraught that he was shot and nearly dying and you went out on dates with him? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I couldn't care less, to be honest. <laughs> but quasi-boyfriend just seems dumb rather than cute. And then Silver, oh boy, Silver has put two and two together that Babs is back roll just by two women showing up at Sissy's mother's house. Because that never happens. Um, yeah, it seems a little bizarre. And then Babs makes the same sort of leap by thinking that Silver showing up and having a vampire fixation means that he must have something to do with Sissy. It's very much an A plus or a, what is it? One plus two equals chair situation for me that this stuff doesn't really add up for me. I, I just wonder why his vampire fixation has to do with the kidnapping. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like, and she got away. I love you, Dad. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, Babs agrees that Silver's view of the Bat family as vampires makes a weird kind of sense. Yeah, totally. No. <laughs> Is it drawn by Kelly Jones? No. Oh, Kelly Jones. Oh, man, his name comes up. Dustin does not like him. I feel bad for the guy. Oh, <laughs> Which, I just you know, every time he him. draws Batman, Batman's a vampire. Yeah, that's okay. Red brain, right? It's meant to be like that. Yeah, um, they just did it a few too many times. Yeah. My final section there, 
Well, it's interesting, at least. This this comes off at a good time with the vampire section. Batgirl, like I said, in Detective Comics 516 and 517, that Dawn and I, that, the end of that four-part story, she turns into a snake. And we thought that it was a missed opportunity being not being turned into like a man bat or something like that. Um, it could have been more creative and, and work better. E- there were even seeds sort of loaned in that seeds sort of sown in the first part of that story um so that's something that goes there but i i don't know why she's agreeing with a psychotic person anyways uh, my final two comments are again on silver wearing an athletic cup what do you think do you think this is smart or just weird to put into a book apparently vampires go for the junk a lot and he's just learned his lesson it's uh, I don't i don't know i think just about everybody that's fighting crime should probably wear a cup but since yeah. they don't it comes off as well why are you yeah that's interesting i guess yeah he's had some bad experiences Jay, I, and you don't think of vampires kicking you in the jump that much i don't i see them as going for anything like above the the belt mm-hmm. or you know even the thigh but yeah anything where there's extreme blood kidnapping sissy this is my last my last point on him does he really think she's the queen I mean, I can see him have some delusions, I guess, like the brother in the Velvet Tiger story. But this, I mean, why her? There seems really no rhyme or reason for what's going on. And you can argue that the villain is crazy, but even Joker, I think, has his reasons, which mm. makes uh, like a, a sick sort of sense. But this guy just kidnaps a random girl and thinks she's the leader. And that is also implying that she's also the leader of the Bat family. And it's like the the weirdest slash dumbest thing I've I've ever probably read. Yeah, villains who are just outright crazy with no motive or order behind it are really not interesting or compelling. You're just doing random crap, and that's that's it. Yeah. I tell you what, though, the Bella Lugosi mask that you mentioned makes yep. me really sad. Yeah. Because it reminds me of the Brian Q. Miller issue with oh, Batgirl and Supergirl. Yeah. And, and I, I love that issue. Yes. I mean, talk about <laughs> a good way to do, like, you know, vampires right there in exactly. a fun way. But this was, I thought maybe there really were going to be vampires, but not at all. It's just some guy's sick delusions. Yeah, I thought about reading this story because I saw the words, yeah. I vampire, and now yeah. I'm really glad I didn't. I think, I mean, that was a good bet. I mean, fans, if you didn't get from my, like, sort of patronizing tone of voice throughout my entire uh <laughs> my <Sort> entire <laughs> my entire recap i i hated this story i just thought it was terrible nothing made sense everything like was not working basically and and i found zero redeeming qualities and that's why for the first time in backroll the oracle history i'm giving an issue a 0 out of 10 Oof. It is, yeah. And you know how like nice I am. I was normally like the optimistic one on Spider-Man Crawl Space. That's not hard, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But again, listeners, uh, you know, you can you can see Newsarama. They gave it a seven out of ten, and, and IGN gave it a seven point nine out of ten. So you can see what they had to write, and and the, you know, obviously they disagree with me. But uh, I mean, I I just thought it was bad. It was very bad, and it, it just makes me sad because I, I thought, you know, I had pretty, there were two pretty solid issues right before this, and I thought, oh, man, if this goes on this, you know, this train, then I'll be very excited for it, but that did not happen, so. Very sad. Yeah. So the, the whole book makes me sad because I, I should really be 
buying and enjoying yeah. a Barbara Gordon Batgirl book. You bet. And I can't. You can't. So our one hope lies in Stephanie Brown. I don't think that's going to happen. I know. I'm also afraid. I mean, I just saw her tied up. That's the only panel you get, her tied up. And I just am flashing to war games and how she's, like, tortured by Black Mask. Mm. I'm just, <laughs> uh, I hope that. I don't know. I, I hope she turns out okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always I liked her much better as Batgirl than I did as Spoiler, but unfortunately we're not going to get that. And it's it's really going to all come yeah. down to if if she gets a book, who writes her? But yeah. I don't know if she will get a book. Thankfully, the the creative team on Eternal is pretty solid, especially yep. once Kyle Higgins joins like halfway through. Yeah, my my knee jerk, I guess, reaction to you know if Seth ever gets a book, I always want to go to my email directly and be like, Brian Q. Miller, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, just write him and and ask, hey, what's going on? Are you? Is there anything going on? And and are you going to write it? But yeah, frankly, if she got a book and it wasn't Brian Q. Miller, that's just a, a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's, it's not like he's one of the people that DC's driven away. He's still there. He's just only writing Smallville. Yep. Which I get. I am a consistent. I, I like to support BQM, so I get that. Well, our, our final book here is Birds of Prey, 28. And this is actually the crossover with Gothtopia that I thought was going to happen last issue, but it didn't. So this is called Wings of Truth. Now, did, why? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. Do you read Detective Comics by any chance? The the current one? Yeah. No. Okay, I just wondered if you knew anything about that. That sounded yeah. just snarkier than it was supposed to. That's <laughs> I know that your main things are um, Nightwing. Yeah, I, I read Snyder's Batman and, yeah. and Nightwing, and yeah. I tried... I've I've basically tried a few issues of just about everything in the Bat family and haven't stuck with anything else. Yeah. So Wings of Truth, which is, Kevin obviously really likes the title, writer Christy Marks, pencilers Romano Molinar and Daniel Samperi, uh, break down Scott McDaniel, inker Jonathan Glapion, and Jordi Tarragona, and colorist Chris Sotomayor. Welcome to Gothtopia, Gotham City, America's safest city, America's happiest city, and almost completely crime-free utopia where dreams come true and everyone leads the life they want to lead a place of sunny skies safe streets gleaming skyscrapers and brightly costumed heroes this is gotham city this has always been gotham city and if you want to survive you have to believe so it's a lovely day in the neighborhood in gotham with bluebell and artemis aka batgirl and strix admiring the fleet of blimps randomly appearing in the sky. Bluebell? Bluebell. Is she ice cream? No, but a Joker's ice cream driver. (laughs) (laughs) That was unplanned, folks. I know. A (laughs) A Joker's ice cream driver tries to convince Bluebell to accept an endorsement, but she turns him down again. Eagle, a.k.a. Condor, and my favorite, a.k.a. least favorite, Warbler. What? Warbler, a.k.a. Black Canary, catch up with them. The Dream Team goes to a charity event that they are hosting wherein they perform different circus events for children. I thought, where's Nightwing? Is he going to pop up? Later, at their headquarters, which really just seems like an apartment, the team cozies up and gets ready to watch a movie, trying to decide between romantic, romantic comedy, adventure, who knows. When the bat signal is suddenly seen outside, 
Apparently, Batman has gone berserk, and he has turned against the city. The team watches as Bright Bat, a.k.a. Batwoman, and Catbird, a.k.a. Catwoman, <laughs> try to subdue Batman. The te- I'm not making these names up, you know. The- I... God. <laughs> the team go- the team goes in and Catbird <laughs> fills them in that Batman is lost in a delusion and believes everything around them that they see is a lie. He had to be stopped for his own good and Dr. Crane promises to help them out. Who wouldn't trust that kindly looking doctor? <laughs> The rest of the day, the Wings are just dealing with minor crimes until they hear that Batman and Ivy have broken out. They go to detain them. Ivy tries to tell them that they need to wake up because it is all a lie and they are filled with poison. There's a fight. Talon pops up. Who knows what his name is and where he came from. (laughs) Then as the team is getting wrapped up by vines, Batgirl pops in like a creeper. She And suddenly she tells them, hey, it's okay. Crane has it under control. Go on home. It is... Besides the Detective Comics panels that we were talking about with the face change, it is such a weird panel. I mean, they're literally wrapped in vines. She pops up and goes, hey, guys, it's under control. They walk off as if nothing is so weird. Later, we see the team at their apartment sleeping when a shadowy figure sprays Dinah in the face with the substance. She wakes up oh. and things I know, and things begin clearing up for her and she sees the real thing. Now the shadowy man happens to be Rachel Ghoul. And he explains that Crane has been dousing everyone in Gotham with a mind altering chemical. He sprayed her with something that will relieve the effects for a time, but she should pretend all is normal or else her team is going to lock her up like they did Batman. And why did he do this, you may be asking? Well, a confrontation is coming between Raish and Eve, Mother Eve, that is. And all he asks is that Dinah step aside and not interfere when the crucial moment arrives. And what will he do for her? He's going to help Kurt. And he gives her a serum containing just a little bit of the Lazarus Pit on faith so that she can see that he can truly help her. So Donna comes up with a plan. She goes back to her apartment, wakes up her team, saying that Bluebell, the ice cream, needs her help. Criminals are getting away at the waterfront. Bluebell left a boat to chase after them. So the team is flying out. She's in the boat with Strix. They get more suspicious the farther away they get, but finally the effects wear off. And the team, Sans Batgirl, reconvenes on the recommissioned freighter that we saw last issue. Then Batgirl returns, but we won't learn how until Detective Comics 29, so we can just pretend that it all worked out. Batgirl wonders how Dinah even fell into that fantasy, because remember, Dinah quit. Dinah said that after the team left, she realized she made a big mistake and got dropped into Gotham by Mother Eve. Dinah then says that Batgirl needs to lead the team now, because they can't trust Dinah. Batgirl tries to make some excuses, but realizes that she's just sounding exactly like Dinah, so she accepts the role, but only until Dinah gets straightened out. Uh, but Dinah actually leaves out the whole part about Rachel Ghoul and the serum and the fact that she might be making an agreement with the or a deal with the devil. And next, the Eve of Battle, which I'm sure is a play on words with Mother Eve. So yes, do you? What do you think about uh, just from that? Well, wow, I zoned out for like five minutes there. Good God! Your what uh, has been? What did you say? So I zoned out for like five minutes of that. <laughs> Woof. Um, those names. Yeah, that well, Warbler is the worst. I can, I don't know who came up with that. It's it's pretty bad. Bright yeah. Bat. Bright Bat. Bluebell. Catbird. Where the hell did this come from? Why? I don't know, but Catwoman is wearing a Robin costume. Wouldn't the whole idea of this sort of thing be that they need to take it seriously? 
Would those names not hurt that? <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know. To be honest, I've I've been enjoying the story as told in Detective Comics. I, I think that's really where to read it. But I, I agree that the names are off. I mean, at least Batman's name is still Batman, but Catbird I think is pretty bad. I mean, the Catbird actually is probably the least offensive to me. Really? Um, I just mean, it's still stupid, yeah. but it's just it's not Bright Bat or Blue Bell or Warbler. Yeah. Um, the whole thing just sounds really, really dumb. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad that I have not read any of Gothtopia. <laughs> well, I mean, don't let this get you down. I mean, if you're interested, you know, at least try Detective. I, I, I wasn't. That's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I saw the solicitations at first, and when I was scrolling through them, just kept crossing my fingers, like, please don't let Nightwing oh. be swept up. Oh, in this yeah. And he and wasn't there. No, he wasn't. Which I don't know. Again, I don't know why talent sort of pops in there. But again, yeah, I think that the tie-ins. Uh, there are certain aspects that are good. Um, the Batgirl one was pretty decent, actually. But I, I, like I said, I still don't let Kevin dissuade you, listeners. I think <laughs> you should give the big, the main issue storyline a try. So, at least do that. But anyway, you know, one question I have is just the timeline, especially involving Batgirl, because in that issue, we saw her, we saw her at the ice cream fa- Joker's ice cream factory, because a woman was psychotic, and she was realizing that this was all a lie, and she was about to kill a bunch of kids who went to visit, and then... Batgirl had this like shocking vision and realized um, that it, there was something wrong. So I guess I just wonder, how did she come from that and then go over into this? And how does it sort of play out? Especially because at the end of Detective, uh, I think it was 28, at the end of Detective 28, she and Bright Bat, a.k.a. Batwoman, and there's somebody else, all have scarecrow masks on. So this is obviously happening before that, I guess with the confrontation with Crane when she pops up like a creeper and says, you can go home now. But I just don't know how this plays in with, with everything else. So that, that messes me up. And I guess it's a little nerdy to want continuity, but I feel like when you have a big character like Batgirl, it should at least work out to a certain extent. Like I, I, do... I... <laughs> Bluebell. I just can't deal with this. What about Bluebell? The costumes <sighs> are pretty cool. And they go you on. say so. I don't know. <laughs> um, I saw the cover to to Batgirls yeah. crossover, and it looked like a a white version of the All Star Batman and Robin costume. Well, that could be. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I do wonder why the group or the team is hanging out in their uniforms, uh, even though they're at home and ready to watch a movie. Seems like the sort of situation where you may get dressed in alternate clothing. So I thought that was weird. Warbler and Eagle are dating. And this again begs the question as to who wants that relationship to happen because the thinking is, for me anyways, that this whole situation with Gothtopia, yes, we're infected with with this mind-altering drug of some sort, but I think it really gets into like deep, deep desires. Uh, so things that you would really want to, to have happen and, and wish to have happen. So... Sort of a House of M hallucination. Yes, exactly. And that is exactly what I... And people are breaking through, just like... And I equated that with, with Spider-Man, sort of feeling that something was off. Uh, that is exactly what I equated with. See, I got in trouble for that. I'm so <laughs> glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. You you, you got it. You got it. Yeah, um, yeah so if 
Eagle, aka Condor, obviously wants to be in a relationship with Dinah because we saw him have a pouty moment in the last issue. But Condor is. Yeah, he's he's one of the guys we had to have on the the team that I don't necessarily approve of. Um, But Dinah, obviously, she's still focused on Kurt. So, Kurt, her husband, who's thought to be dead, which we can talk about because hopefully you've seen the beginning of that run. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just questions, you know, whose deep down desire is that? Uh, the second fight with Batman and Ivy, I think, is is just, again, I guess we just already talked about this. That actually happened in Detective, and I've already talked about on TBU how I really like that issue, and, and um, I loved Ivy's part in that. But they're being attacked, they're surrounded, and then Batgirl just popping up. It just seemed like someone was being punked. The, the, aren't there like TV shows where like this random figure pops up in the middle of it and like I don't know it's probably like an animated it's probably like a meme or why you mad bro I don't even know but it was just so weird and you know they can go home and then they do and they just turn around and start talking about Chinese not even discussing the fight I just thought that was so strange uh, I do really like how it was explained how and why Dinah showed up in the city because when she was there and I was reflecting back to the fact that she quit the team in the previous issue. I thought that was very random. So I'm glad that was explained. This is this issue gives me another reason as to why I think Kurt Lance should die. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm fine with saying that because now he's being used as leverage. And obviously Dinah is not the leader that we thought she was. And, and she's considering doing this for Rachel Ghoul. But if he were dead, none of this would even be happening. Uh, I am glad we're bringing Ration a little bit at a time rather than just dropping him on us. Uh, but I do wonder how he found Dinah. I mean, I guess it's reasonable that he knows what's going on with all of this Gothopia business just by his nefarious means. And he is set up with the inevitability coming with, you know, the, the coming war with Mother Eve. But did he have a tracker on Dinah? He just found her in that derelict apartment building? I'm not sure. I like that Dinah used her smarts to set up the boat and uh, the plan, though I feel like it would have taken longer and her team probably would have woken up without her and wondered where she was. And I like how this issue, more so than the Batgirl, really tied into Detective, even showing scenes from the beginning of the story and then from the previous issue. And, you know, I understand we're in a utopia here, but it just seems at times that it's just a little corny and it needs to back off. I mean, with the blimp scene at the beginning and let's have this children charity hour and do acrobatics and things like that. I don't know. So now Batgirl is the leader, and, uh, you know, I'm just interested to see how the tone of the book is going to shift and whether the team is going to be able to iron out the, the kinks that have really been thwarting it or plaguing it for the better part of a year, I would say. Do you think Batgirl could be a good Birds of Prey leader? Um, Not as written in the New 52. That's true. She's actually a completely different character in this book, though. That's good. She's actually yeah, in her own book. She's just she's just so weak. I mean, you know, yeah. Barbara Gordon, obviously, great leader for the Birds of Prey. That's that's yep. proven. But we'll see. Um, I'm gonna give this a, a seven out of ten. Birds. It 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 was okay. Um, it wasn't the best. You know, there were some good moments with with Gothtopia in there, but there were also some really weird stuff going on. And again, just the timeline, I wish I knew how it all went together because, I mean, at the end of Batgirl, like I said, she's realizing something is up and then all of a sudden in here, it's like nothing has ever happened. So I don't know. The next book, Movement. Have you been reading Movement? I assume not. No. Exactly. Uh, and I don't read Movement <laughs> No one either. else has either. Wasn't it canceled? Or no, that was the green no, it's, canceled. It's still going on. So Movement number nine, we were left with... 
back roll on a table in a diner. And these characters around her ready to unmask her. So uh, this is the reason why someone brought this to my attention. So I thought I'd at least cover it. So we, we, we wake up. They apparently moved her body. I don't know why you do that. Why not just unmask her right there? But they moved her to some underground uh, station. I guess their hideout, right? And they're videotaping this. They're ready to unmask her. And she's a little groggy. So the videotaper... She looks at this person and she flashes. This is why I hated it. She flashes to Killing Joke. So the the videotaper is like the Joker in his Hawaiian shirt taking pictures. And then she's prone on the ground and she's like, oh, no, I'm on the floor again. I'm on the floor again. She starts freaking out. She envisions herself bleeding from the bullet wound. Basically, they don't unmask her, but we have this moment. And then there's some crazy stuff that happens at the end. She goes off and tells the leader that she could always come to Gotham if she needs to. But uh, basically, she was not unmasked. But we had to, of course, flash back to that horrifying and, and story that I've never read, actually. Killing Joe. That is insane. That I've never read it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did I tell you? So in about four months, I'll be done with Batgirl. Like her term is going to be over in four months, basically. Um, as far unless something weird happens. But that's my estimation. So I think in July, I'm going to have a call-in show for, just for Killing Joke. And so I'm finally going to have read it. But I'm, I'm just going to bring on different people to tell me what their thoughts are. Uh, if you, if you want to to hear a lot of people yell and curse a lot. Do you think so? I'm sure yeah, there'll be some people yeah. <laughs> that'll enjoy it, but I hope a lot of people come on like um, Michael Bailey and stuff. I think, yeah, I think there are a lot of people that enjoy it. I just, yeah. you know, if you're looking at it as like Batgirl fans, probably not as much. That's probably true, yeah. Like, I I thought the the first half of it is really good. Now, well, the the Joker origin story is really good, but I freaking hate the modern story. That's me. And might be you, too. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. But no, that what you're talking about in that issue sounds like it exemplifies everything that I freaking hated about her characterization in those first couple issues. Yeah, of Batgirl. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about just always flashing back to Killing Joke when nothing really is ever explained about... I mean, all we know is that she got some sort of chip implant. But, I mean, we don't really know the extent of her injuries or how th that timeline worked out. I mean, what are your thoughts? Reflecting back on Killing Joke all the time. It's, it's a terrible idea. Um, that's, you know, she, when she was in the wheelchair, she wasn't just flashing back to the Killing Joke all the time. Now she's got her legs back, and she's just, what, scared all the time? That's that's not the character that I've come to know and love at all. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, we don't need the constant reminder of that really stupid idea. I think the the shooting her to begin with was a really stupid idea. I don't like the kind of things in comics of, you know, the taking naked pictures of her and everything. That's yes. not what I want to read, and we don't need to be flashing back to that all the time. Just yeah. letting the killing joke define the character, especially in this new 52 supposedly rebooted world, is awful. And a lot of it is just sort of indicative of the big problem with the New 52 reboot of, you know, wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Like, we're going to make her Batgirl again. We're going to say all this history is still there. We're not going to tell you what is, what isn't. We're not even going to tell you why she's not in a wheelchair anymore. we just rather you not care because, hey, it's a reboot. You know, it's a fresh start, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I guess thoughts on... On the the Batgirl and and Birds of Prey runs, I guess maybe we've we've talked about it to a certain extent. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've pretty much said my Maybe Batgirl. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Batgirl? I haven't read much Birds of Prey, to be honest. I that's been one of those books where I I picked up like the first issue in the in the store and flipped through it and was just like, Nope, (laughs) this isn't looking good and then Batgirl joins and I pick it up and nope, still not looking good. I, you know, I've, when there's been a new writer, uh, I, I, like I read the preview of the first issue of the current writer and just really didn't enjoy the, the writing style at all. Um, so it's, it's just been a book that I've, I've, I've wished I was interested in because of Batgirl, but the joint problems of nothing about that specific book drawing me in and the Batgirl book actively making me dislike this version of that character uh, has has prevented me from being interested enough to actually read it, mm-hmm. which is sad. <laughs> what did you think about Ivy being on the team? Um, I don't Just know from I solicitations, have, I guess. I don't know that I have strong thoughts because I figured it was going to be all in the execution, and I didn't read the execution. How did it? How did it come off? Do you think? I actually enjoyed it. I think it it made for um, they were able to straighten out how the team was going to work. Uh, and they started. It was it was tough in the beginning, so it made sense. I think it was realistic. Uh, and but then, of course, she betrayed them. And I think it, it's really ever since that the the team has been really going down the toilet. Uh, you know, Katana left, and then we have Condor, and we just have we're plagued. This team is plagued with issues, and I just want it to have like a status quo and and not have inner team struggles. Who the hell is Condor? Condor. <laughs> <laughs> really? Condor is that not is the Eagle. Gothtopia name? No, his Gothtopia name is Eagle. So he actually got a better one. <laughs> That's one. I guess. Condor uh, is a Native American. And? <laughs> um, he was, as told by his backstory, he was um, taken in by the NSA because they thought that he could be a good code talker because he's Native American. And, and does he have a vagina? Why is he on the birds of prey? <laughs> what do you? <laughs> oh my gosh! I was like, "Where is that going?" <laughs> I don't know. This is one of my issues with, um... <laughs> oh dear, with, with with men on the team. I I completely agree with you because I didn't like Hawk and Dove on the team. Well, uh, I didn't like Hawk. He exactly. was my issue in the the previous one. But at least he was there because of Dove, who is a yeah. woman. I mean, with birds of prey, you've got the the strongest, uh, most successful female team yeah. of all time. I think so, yeah. And we have a couple of iterations in a row now trying to force men into it. And like, yeah. what? You, do, are, are you really going to say there's a quota of men? Men are underrepresented on superhero teams? Come on. Yeah. The men are the men are covered. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it does not make any sense to me. You get this great strong female team. Why why are there men there? Donovan from the the previous episode try to argue it just think of it as a character rather than looking at him as as his sex. I mean, can you agree with that at all? Um, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I saw his point of view, but I still I I'm more in Well, that point of view sounds like and I know I know I I know Donovan and I know he's not saying this, but that sounds like, you know, if you're going to use that to defend this I don't see why you don't stretch that to say, you know, why can't all teams be, you know, don't think of them as all white men. Don't ask me for more women or more diversity. Just think of them as characters. That's, I don't think that's a strong argument. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, 
even if you were going to say, and this is a, this would be a terrible thing, that well, we're not confident enough in this team of women. Uh, we need to put a man on there to help it sell. I guarantee you, Condor ain't selling any books. I don't think so. Neither is Eagle. My issue <laughs> with the with the men is just I, I they they're more pro well real life talking to the comics. They are more problem than they are worth. <laughs> is that grammatically correct? More. More of a problem than they're worth? I don't know. But whatever it is. More trouble than they're worth? Is that really what it is? That'll do. Okay, so sorry. Uh, No, (laughs) but just because you bring Condor on and the first thing he does is go after Dinah and, like, smother her with a kiss. Of course, it's just, it sounds like it's just a way to try to introduce sexual tension in the team without lesbians. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, you can have sexual tension on an all-female team. It just well, of course. would have to be lesbians. Yeah, I just don't like it. Um, you know, I think that they should have relationships outside the team, and and they've done that previously in Birds of Prey. I mean, remember that shower scene with Dinah and, and DeGrayson? Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah, I exactly. Just, you can have sexual tension if you want to. Just yeah, you know, there's no outside the team. Yeah, exactly. Or lesbian characters do exist. Yes. Yes, they do. Please go to see Batwoman. It's a very great book. I yeah, I I agree with you. Lawyered. I agree. What'd you say? Lawyered. What does lawyered mean? You do you know? How about your mother? Are you? No, I don't watch that. <sighs> okay, moving on. <laughs> well, you need to explain your comment. Stella just lost points. Oh, I was so high too. I think it was like <laughs> a perfect record. Wait, now you have to explain it. What other people probably don't watch it who listen to the show no, it was just like you made a point and it's followed up by lawyered you know like you, that doesn't make any sense no I was saying like it was like saying to the people that you just made the point to booyah you know gotcha okay she's she's got points she's okay damn I'm so sorry <laughs> so sorry I've made you upset this is the last time you're coming on isn't it well, I mean, you know, only have me on every three years anyway, so... Excuse me, not from lack of trying. <laughs> not from lack of trying. I'm sure I've gotten over it in three years. Oh, I hope so. Well, now over to Chris for the Batman 66 review. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Batman 66 review segment. Glad you could make it. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for not fast-forwarding. I'm Chris, and this is the segment where I review the current issue of Batman 66... We're up to issue number 8, cover dated April 2014 for hard copy release, originally released in download format. Cover art by Michael and Laura Allred. I'll first take a look at the second story of the issue, which is entitled Showdown with Shame, written by Jeff Parker, with art and colors by Ruben Procopio. Our story opens with Shame and his posse, a saloon showgirl, and an Ivy League-educated American Indian named Thunderhawk, Stealing gold from a prospector outside of a Wyoming gold mine. Batman and Robin, having been out west in a story to come in our next issue, are mounted on horses and are wearing cowboy hats and are on the villain's trail. They catch up to the low-down varmints as Shame and his clan have halted a steam engine train filled with tourists. Shame sends the muscle-bound Thunderhawk after Batman, but Batman recalls he's really Daniel Greyhawk. Physics prodigy an ex-Fermilab worker who Batman thinks he can clear. As such, Greyhawk surrenders and places himself under Batman's custody. Fittingly, the story's climax is a showdown with Batman and Shame atop of the train. Shame draws his pistol, but it's immediately knocked from his hand by Robin's thrown batarang, 
and Batman punches out the outlaw cowpoke. Procopio shows off his talents as an artist by using watercolors for the artwork on this, something that I can't recall in a Batman story, and he does so very effectively, evoking the style of Old West paintings. The background colors of the skies are striking in particular, so much so that you don't mind a Batman story taking place during the day as opposed to night. I read that Procopio used Batman 66 cosplayer Scott Sebring, who was one of the moderators of the 1966 Matman message board, as one of the models for the artwork, as well as someone in a Robin costume, and Procopio's own wife on one of the horses that they own. Procopio went to Traveltown in Griffith Park in Los Angeles and used the old locomotives there for reference. I was blown away by his excellent artwork and the use of watercolors, and for that alone one makes for one of my favorite Batman stories of the year. Seeing Batman and Robin on horses and wearing cowboy hats had the feel of a story true to Batman 66 with a display of the unusual and the bizarre. The story was originally released in download format, and while I don't like to read comics on an electronic device, I thought the colors were just a little more sharper there versus how they came out in the hard copy comic book. That in no way should deter any 66 Bat fan or those who want to see some great and different artwork in this medium. I highly recommend this issue for this story. This is something special. In the TV series, Shane was played by Oscar-winning actor Cliff Robertson, who I don't recall ever blinking an eye while in character, and was a takeoff of the 50s Western title movie character Shane. Robertson may be known to current comic book movie fans as the actor who played Uncle Ben in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Robertson passed away in 2011. Now, the book's first story is King Tut Barges In, written by Jeff Parker, art by Ruben Procopio, colored by Lee Lofridge, and lettered by Wes Abbott. In this story, King Tut plans to buy Gotham City from riches he manages to obtain by traveling back in time to 1292 BC Egypt via a magical staff and sarcophagus and taking antiquities from that era. The duo manage to follow Tut and his underlings there, only to momentarily fall into a crocodile pit. The duo escape and see that Tut barters for goods in exchange for milk chocolate. A heroic duo follow the villains back to the present day and manage to capture them with Tut seemingly reverting back to his Yale professor persona of Dr. William McElroy. This was a good story with apt dialogue in the tone of the series and it had a cliffhanger, an element that I always like to see. On the TV series, King Tut was played with relish and delight by Victor Bono. Bono died of a heart attack in 1982 at only age 43. One of his later roles was playing Christopher Lloyd's Jim Ignatowski character's father in the TV series Taxi. Overall, this was an outstanding issue. I dare say the secondary story overshadowed the main story. We had a nice uh, all red cover, artwork that was excellent, and good storytelling with details that impressed me. This issue was exactly what I wanted and hoped for when the series began, and I am giving Batman 66 number 8 a total of 10 out of 10 bats. Can the next issue of Batman 66 maintain such high standards? What familiar characters will make cameo appearances in the next issue of Batman 66? What surprises does Stella have in store for the next podcast? These and other ponderables to be answered next time. Same Stella time, same Stella sight. Okay, and this is, now we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up, which is very sad, but we've had some good conversations, I think. 
Do you have any anything you would like to recommend literature wise? Could be comics, could be a book. <laughs> I hope you read. Donovan doesn't read. Hey, when you say literature, it sounds like you want me to, to say a book. That highfalutin. No, you can do whatever. I've been I've done some <laughs> No, I I I haven't read a novel in longer than I'd care to admit because there are so many comics. Yeah. Um there's just so many comics and there, there keep being more comics every week. <laughs> I let's see. I mean, I've, I'm sure on this show before, probably probably the last time I was here, I recommended my, my old standby, my favorites, um, Dean Koontz's Frankenstein, um, which are novels, by the way. And since then, the fifth and final book came out. Um, so there's that. Dean Koontz in general I enjoy. Um, I was reading uh, on a plane not too long ago a novel of his called The Good Guy, um, which was about a guy who just, you know, a regular guy in a bar, and somebody comes into him uh, and hands him a, a photograph and a stack of money, thinking that he's the killer that he uh, had hired and was supposed to meet at this bar. And so the, the guy ends up having to go try to find this target and protect her from the killer. Mm. So, good book. So there's a novel. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say just I really enjoy the work of Dean Koontz. Um, I enjoy his Frankenstein uh, novels. He also has an Odd Thomas series, and there's an Odd Thomas movie coming out starring Anton Yelkin. Um, and just and yeah, his his single novels like like uh, like The Good Guy are usually pretty good too. So if you enjoy that sort of thing, I enjoy you know a good bit of thriller with a with a character focus. That will be my recommendation for the evening. I think. Okay. Uh, and I'm currently reading uh, another fantasy novel, lighter than Game of Thrones. I, I needed to step back and read something that was not as intense or time-consuming. Speed, not difficult to find. Yes, that's probably true. So I'm reading The Wizard of Earthsea, and the Earthsea novels are by Ursula K. Le Guin. And hopefully it's Le Guin. Oh, is it Le Guin? Who knows? But uh, it's a four. There are four novels, uh, and it's following a young wizard right now. I'm sure he'll grow up. But uh, his name is Sparrowhawk, or Ged is his real name. But right now he's unleashed a a shadow, unfortunately, because he's trying to show off. And this is following him. So I imagine this is our main antagonist for the the first book. But he's just uh, learning right now and uh, defending. Uh, different towns that he defended some against some dragons and now he's just recuperating because he fled from the shadow and he was he was attacked so uh so actually it's it's a lot of fun uh it was a little slow for me to begin with but now it's it's certainly it's certainly picked up um but i'm also at the same time reading uh the sound and the fury by william faulkner uh, which I don't normally read two books at once, and that's interesting. Got to get past the 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 language, the jargon, because it's all sort of southern and what would you call that slang in the forties? There you go. There but you yeah, go. two. I guess I can't really recommend that right now because I don't really, I haven't gotten very far in it. But one book I won't recommend. I tried so hard to read it. Everything is illuminated. I tried, just couldn't do it. Had to put it away. So that's a bummer, but I'll just cross that off my reading list as if I did read it. Hey, final comments? Any thoughts? Um, nice to be back after three years. Oh, it's um, so nice to have you back. Yeah, I always enjoy talking to you, and and I appreciate uh, being wanted. <laughs> maybe yes. you know, maybe I can come back at some point when things are better. <laughs> With back 
Well, yeah, with things in general, I don't know if we're ever going to get, like, uh, I don't know, another writer on that book without the fan base screaming. Do you think it'll happen? I I don't know. I mean, obviously DC saw a problem and tried to address it, but I, I don't know so who this vocal fan base is. Yeah. It's I the wonder same vocal if, fan base that gave her a 7 and an 8 out of 10. I wonder if, honestly, a lot of the people that were yelling about her being removed buy the book because it's and you know i don't i don't want to it it almost sounds like people that are just you know gail simone is one of the most highly visible women in comics how dare you fire her you know and i don't want to you know claim that it's some sort of reverse sexism or something because that's always ridiculous but i i do wonder if it's just people that uh that felt gail simone was done wrong and not people that read the book you know Mm mm-hmm um, and that would at least make more sense to me because I can't imagine there's so many people that love this book so much they think Gail Simone should continue writing it for the rest of her life because it's bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah. And I, 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 I hate. I don't want to insult people. Um, obviously, I have nothing against Gail Simone personally. Mm-hmm. I and I hate insulting people's work. Frankly, um, I know I know they put a lot into it, but it's just. It's really not good. <laughs> it's, no. it's really, and I think it's been a terribly misguided take on Barbara Gordon that has possibly permanently damaged her New Fifty Two version. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 been bad and damaging. So yeah. I hope to God at some point they're able to get another writer on that book. Is because honestly, Ray Fox's two issues on the book were not bad. No, they were not. They weren't great because it was still the same status quo. Yeah. But it seemed like he could have saved it. Yeah. Um, Minus the Ricky stuff. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I, I just I do hope it gets better at some point. I do too. And you know, if if that happens, I would love to come back. I hope you know in a couple of months we're talking about the great things that they've done with Dick Grayson mm-hmm. that we know about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That'd be nice. I can only hope for him. I can only hope for all of them, Stephanie Brown included. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's a constant struggle for me each month, you know. Uh I started this show off and it was like I was so excited with with each of the books. And I guess it was a reverse because some of the Silver Age stuff was really hard to read, you know, her costume cut-ups and remember <laughs> get a load of those gams and things like that. And now now we but I had great Batgirl issues. Birds of Prey was okay. Uh Not that but great. but now <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, but Batgirl was awesome, and I was giving consistent like nines and tens and everything, and now I I've given this a zero, and it's not like to be dramatic or anything. Like I honestly des- believe it deserves a zero. So I I don't know. It's it's tough to to see your favorite character do this. Yeah, I I don't know how you've continued to do this for yeah thirty 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 one months now. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I've, in your place, I would have probably ran out of steam (laughs) a long time ago. So, you know, I, I applaud you for keeping the show going until hopefully something good comes along. Well, I could always drop it and start a Game of Thrones podcast. True. I could do that. Maybe, I wonder if people would still listen. Probably. I mean, you know, it's you. Yeah, that's true. Well, no, I am so, you know, I was really excited for this when when I thought, you know, I'm going to ask Kevin. I was concerned because I know you're really busy, and I was wondering if you would turn me down. 
Um, so I was very uplifted, and I did a little dance when <laughs> returned my email and said that you'd love to. So, yeah, always, always a pleasure to have you on, and I don't think we can let three years pass the next time it happens. Here's hoping the pleasure is mine. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you can send any comments or questions to Oracle at gmail.com. Uh, are you on any podcasts at the time? Uh, right now, I'm just guesting. Okay. okay. <laughs> I've got there... two or three other uh, guest possibilities, but nothing that I would uh, feel right about announcing okay. before they do. Okay. Right, and I guess one of them I'll be on, right? Indeed. Okay. So we can talk about that later. Uh, you can like me on Facebook and, and follow the show on Twitter at Batgirl.Oracle. And like the Batman Universe on Facebook as well, of course. And once again, thanks to Mile High Comics and Tweaked Audio for sponsoring Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Uh, but for next time, or until next time, rather, fly on, Babs lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon. Masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Batgirl! Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you? Okay, well, I guess. Well, at I'll... least I got in some good cursing at the top, so you probably. Oh can't my use gosh, that. no! I was wondering if I was going to have to use some, <laughs> some bleeping. So I guess, guess it'll start. Okay, well, I'll just get this show going. Well, one can only hope that DC will get to the point where Marvel is, and be good. I mean. Mm. I don't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> They've so royally screwed up. <laughs> I mean, they really just screwed the pooch on this whole thing, and it's it's really remarkable when you think about it, just how badly the whole New 52 thing was pulled off and in just so many ways. I mean, I was even thinking today, it, it occurred to me for the first time that, uh, you know, they talk about diversity and everything, and, you know, they tried with the New 52 to launch books for characters nobody reads, like Mr. Terrific and Static Shock. But, you know, with the whole reboot thing, they missed a huge opportunity for diversity. Because if you're going to reboot these characters in 2011, why do all of these white characters need to remain white? I don't know. Who would you have, who would you change? There's all kinds of possibilities. I mean, hell, Superman's Kryptonian. Tell me how his story changes if his Kryptonian skin is black. It doesn't. You know? um, Aquaman. If, you know, what's what would be wrong? Um, there, there are billions of Asian people in the world, and Aquaman rules most of the world. What would be wrong with Aquaman being Asian? Or, say, an Arab Wonder Woman? Yeah. You know, any of this stuff. People talk about diversity like they need to, you know, build up the already existing characters that nobody cares about or invent new characters. And, like, well, you you did a reboot. <laughs> there, that That was the biggest opportunity you will ever have. And they didn't do any of it. Yeah. At all. No one's race changed. One single character's sexuality changed, and that was on Earth 2. So, like, they... And that's the whole thing of wanting to reboot, but not to reboot. 
which screwed up the entire enterprise. I don't know, just something in me like with these with these all new Marvel Now launches, I guess just so many recent ones that I've tried have been good. I keep wanting to be like, well, I should give the first issue a try. But then it's good, and I have to keep reading it. It's no self-control. Oh, thanks. That's... <laughs> that was a really polite way to put that. Well, I, I, you know, I struggle with wrong. it myself. I just didn't want to hear it. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you like anime? Not at all. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. You, you know this. Yeah. I just wondered what your reaction would be. I hate it. Why do you dislike it? I, I hate the style. Um, do you not like cartoons? All the voice acting. You like? What do you mean? What if they're in- the most American? of the voice acting I've run into in anime I've really hated. Okay. I'm, I'm talking the English dubs. Okay. So I did. I, I watched a Blade anime that wasn't bad, but just because it was Blade, <laughs> yeah. I hated the anime tropes to it. Like they tried to, they added in some bullshit about you know different. Uh, different types of vampires, and they were all just like animals, and it was so stupid. <laughs> but then that to me was like the the most anime part of it. Um, but no, I, I hate anime in general. Have you? Um, would you? Did you ever see Frozen? No. Do you think you? <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you think you ever will? <laughs> not by myself. Why not? Why? <laughs> it's so great. Just turn that question around. Um, it's the kind of movie that I would go to heart? with a girl or if I had a kid. But I think it would warm your heart. It's called Frozen. I know. <laughs> but it would warm your heart. Uh, I've, I have uh, seen the f- song that has 20 million covers. When uh, uh, yeah, I, I went to YouTube to see the originals because I kept seeing 20 covers posted per day and wasn't clicking on them. I was like, okay, what the f*** is this song? And <laughs> I thought it was okay, but I don't understand the phenomenon. It's it's a wonderful story. And I saw, you know, Adina Menzel, a.k.a. Adele Dazeem, singing at the Oscars. Who's Adele Nazim? You didn't hear about that whole thing? No. John Travolta butchered her name when he introduced her. I didn't know that. He, <laughs> you mean, you know, you know her name is Adina Menzel, of course. I do. He, he, I mean, people were having problems with that teleprompter all night, but he was just talking, and then at the end, he seemed fine the whole time, and then it was Adele Dazeem. <laughs> the teleprompter? I don't know if he's dyslexic or what, but frankly, he if you're, if you're going up there to introduce well, him, like, you dyslexic? should know their name before you. Yeah. <laughs> look this up, see if there's a video. Oh, there it is. Thank you. I love you. There will always be a special place in my heart for the movie musical and for the songs that create their most memorable moments. Here to perform the Oscar-nominated, gorgeously empowering song, Let It Go, from the Oscar-winning animated movie, Frozen, please welcome the wickedly talented, one and only, Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. I wonder what that's about. He could <laughs> I, <did>. I, <laughs> I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't how think it was exactly a political statement or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but how could it go so terribly wrong? <laughs> I just don't know. You know? Uh, I do wonder if it was dyslexic. 
Because, you know, you, you got to look at the fact that the sound from the beginning of her name he said at the end, and the sounds from the end of her name he said at the beginning. Adele, Menzel, Dazim, <laughs> at the end. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but how, how, how did he not mess up the rest of it? I don't know. <laughs> Dyslexic people can do some <laughs> I guess he thought he was okay, and it wasn't. <laughs> I felt bad the next day for a bit because it's like, you know, he probably is dyslexic and people just making fun of him relentlessly. But then, you know, a few hours into the day, it was like, no, if you're going up there and introducing her, you should know her name. Oh, my word. Oh, gosh. Wow, that is. That's a quality laugh. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> so bad for a little bit. <laughs> but then that quickly wore off. Oh, well, I'm a bastard. Don asked me off the cuff on Facebook at one point, like, would I want to come on Batman Universe and talk about Nightwing? Because I'm not sure if that's serious or not. Oh, probably. But... He's been also. He's been doing some commentaries and stuff. Hmm. On episodes, I don't know if you would want to watch that. Watch episodes it. Of, of what? Of an animated series. Of which one? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we not talking about what we're talking about? <laughs> oh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, if you were to have an intervention with somebody, how do you think you would... You'd probably start it with saying that, you know, you're doing it out of love. And then how would, how do you think you would end it? Where the hell did this come from? <laughs> are you are you doing one right now on like no. the other line and you need an ending? No. <laughs> I just or, wondered. Are you gonna do one to me later and you need to know? No. <laughs> you know, I have to use the restroom. Do you think that I could use the restroom <laughs> and, and and yes. <laughs> And then come back and we could still talk. <laughs> okay, sure. Should I end the call and then call you back or just let it hang for a little bit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it was just it was just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> the random ass intervention thing and then the, the bathroom request. But I need you to think about it while I'm away. <laughs> okay, let's just end the call and I'll go use the bathroom too for fun and, and we'll we'll call back in a minute or okay. five minutes or whatever. Sounds good. Okay,
Hello, Stella. Hey. How's it going? It's going well. How's life? Uh, life's all right. I'm uh, I'm on break this week. That's nice. Yeah, I bet that is. Yeah, we had uh, some snow come in, so I've been off <laughs> these two days. So I guess I feel like I've been on break too. That's well. It's nice to have a break. I mean, I, how bad? How bad's the snow? Because you're in Virginia, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was only about eight uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. We got about eighteen inches, so that was worse. But Yikes. since it's Virginia, people generally don't know how to deal with snow. And I grew up in in Buffalo, New York, so this is like nothing. Um, but everyone sort of freaks out. So I just sort of stay in the house and, you know, I shovel, shovel out my car when need be. And, but I just walk someplace if I have to get there. So it's, it's fine. You live in Michigan, right? So this would be nothing for you either. No, but this, this winter has been pretty brutal. We've had over a hundred days of below freezing temperatures this winter. So my, my, it actually got so cold at one point, my car broke down. Oh no. And I had to go get it. It's fine now, but I had to get it fixed. So. So I'll be glad when this winter is over. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, win- winter is not coming. Winter is here. It's <laughs> it is very true. I guess it could be worse. Do you think that's about the temperature they experience, you know, at the wall? Yeah, I, I, I have to think so. I have to think so. It is a cold, cold place. Man, so I marathon season three yesterday. Um, oh boy (laughs) it was yeah i watched the first two episodes i guess on monday and i was just or sunday and i was just hoping for a snow day and i just watched the rest of it and that red wedding i mean i was you know really prepared for it i had been spoiled last year even before i read the book so i was super ready oh so you so someone spoiled the red wedding for you it's a bummer yeah we I, i went to uh a pizza place and they have trivia night and we didn't know that it was going to be trivia night but one of the team team names was Rob Stark bleeds more than your girlfriend and <laughs> and then like someone and I'm like oh man I think something just got spoiled for me because I think at that time I was just in like book two and yep. even someone was really upset and went up to the the front table and was like, I haven't watched it yet because I think the episode just came out and that there's there's issues. So it was all spoiled, but still, when you actually see it, it's so intense. And of course, they have to make it worse by bringing Jane, aka Talisa, and she's pregnant. And I think the most gruesome moment is that guy, you know, Black Walter Frey, just coming behind her and stabbing her in her yes. womb. Yes, that was even, so gruesome, the worst even, thing I've ever seen. Even I, th- I think I actually went, oh, when they did that. Like I yeah. was, even I was just kind of shocked at how brutal that was. And yes. I, and I'd known this was coming because I, and I really hate to sound like the hipster. Well, I liked this before it was popular, but I, yeah. so I read these books back in, would have been 2006, my okay. senior year of high school. Yeah. So me and my dad were reading them at the same time. And so, you know, I've, I've been, you know. When they and I was like super excited when they announced that HBO, you know, was going to be doing the show. The one thing that was amusing for me is is last year when I was teaching, some of my coworkers were reading the books, but they hadn't gotten to the Red Wedding yet, and they were following along in the show. Yeah. So I was just kind of waiting. So I, I come in the next day, and and the guy who's reading the book, my coworker, his name is Rob. <laughs> so I just come in, I'm like, "Hey, Rob, how's it going?" He's like, "Oh man." <laughs> <laughs> He, he and his fiance are watching it. He's like, "Yeah, damn." <laughs> Man, I think that just goes to prove. I mean, I guess if you didn't get a sense from Ned Stark getting killed off, that really no one is safe in this series at all. 
Yeah, no, that's that really should should have. I mean, but I, yeah, I think no one really even. Yeah, I even I didn't expect the red wedding. Yeah, me and my dad were both shocked by it, and and I remember like, just you know, reading you know reading the end of getting to the end of Game of Thrones, and we're like, oh, I'm sure they'll send Ned to the Wall. Wait, did they just no? Did they just kill Ned Stark? Yeah. What's wrong with you, George? Yeah. What was the most? What has been the most shocking thing that you've read so far in the series? Like the thing that really just made you wake up and be like, "What just happened?" Probably the red wedding. Okay. Although, although, John getting literally stabbed in the back is yeah. probably a close second. That's a big one. I kind of felt like that something was going to happen with that. I have to say, the most shocking thing was uh, Caitlin coming back from the dead at Stormheart oh, yes. at the end of what was it three. Yeah, at the end of three. And I just started freaking out. And that's sort of what gives me hope after seeing that really gruesome episode is one of two things. Number one, Joffrey dying. I'm so excited for that. And, yeah, hopefully seeing uh, Caitlin just come back, or as they say, Catelyn. But that was just – I'm pretty excited for those two things. I expect social media to be all like, hooray, Joffrey's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that reaction. That's going to be almost as much fun as the the Red Wedding reaction. It's the Red Wedding. How do you feel? Like, I just want to spoil it, you know, to the world, like all these things that are going to happen. And it's just funny that there are these people that are just waiting episode by episode, but those who have read it know everything that's going to happen. That's one of the best parts is, is just watching people's reactions like, because I knew people were going to freak out when they killed Ned Stark at the end of season one. So I was waiting for that, and it happened. And I'm like, oh, man, if they freaked out about this, wait till season three. Yeah. So Although I confess, I thought they wouldn't do the Red Wedding till season four. Cause, oh, you know, true. Yeah. Because of where it is in the book. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with them moving. I'm, well, I guess not moving up because it, it happens like, I think, I want to say like two-thirds of the way through the book. Yeah, it's pretty it's, close. Yeah, it's, it's closer to the end than it is to the middle. So. Mm-hmm. I guess they want to end it. Yeah, so I guess what we'll be looking forward to is the Purple Wedding and then the death of Tywin. <laughs> Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> I don't, I've never, I, don't I think, think it's that. called the Purple Wedding I mean, because Joffrey's be. face turned purple. He was like asphyxiating. I, I don't remember it being called that, but if it is, that's awesome. And if you made that up, that's even better. <laughs> That'd be weird if I made that's... it up. I, I think I could have gotten it from somewhere. But yeah, because his face turns face. all purple. Um. Yeah. No. It'll. I think it's only going to go up from here. I'm just wondering how they're going to do. I guess they're going to combine the last two books since they're sort of happening at the same time. And split yeah. Over several I. Seasons. I think so, but they'll still have to do that over like multiple seasons yeah. since they're so huge. Um. Because yeah, it it it'd be really weird and probably kind of crappy actually to get like a whole season with with no Daenerys or no right, yeah. Davos. Yeah. Oh, I love my Onion Knight. <laughs> he's such a cool character. I feel bad for him though. He's. I think he's one of one of the the closest people to being unambiguously good. Yeah. Yeah. He, even though Stannis is lawful neutral at best. I just, uh, it, you know, in this latest one, there are just two episodes. I'm like, the guys were being led away by, you know, their lower members. You have Theon, which I just couldn't believe. He's being tortured. All of a sudden, two girls are all on top of him. And, like, he's kind of going with it. And then, of course, uh, Gendry. I'm just like, you people, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. knew when Theon, when those girls came, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is when he's going to lose it. Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah. This isn't going to end well. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, so, yeah, let's talk theory. I, I don't have as many, I'm sure, as you. I only have, like, a couple 
couple solid ones. What do you think about Jon Snow? What do you think is going to happen with him? Well, first, I first I have to double check. Have we talked about Jon Snow's parentage, the theory you, there? Yeah, you brought it up and you said, do you believe, have you heard? And I said, no, I haven't. And you did tell me that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, because that plays into this. Um, it's, it's, it's George R. R. Martin, so he, he could very well likely be dead. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is, but if it turns so. out he actually is, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be shocked. But what, what I think is he's going to more, you know, quote-unquote die, and then Melisandre or someone will find a way to resurrect him. Or not exactly resurrect him, but maybe make it look like that, because mm-hmm. I think that'll get him off of the wall. Okay. Because you know, then then his watch would and essentially Ooh, be over, right? And then he could be legitimized by Stannis and and have a claim to Winterfell. And if he's truly half Targaryen, like I suspect, then he's also got a claim to the Iron Throne, mm-hmm. which should be interesting. I I don't know how it's going to play out with with where Daenerys ends up because yeah. I keep waiting for her to invade and she just kind of twirled around in a circle for all of book five until her last chapter. She's like, wee, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of disappointing. It was, yeah. I did find it interesting that the that her nephew is still alive. So. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think John is alive and going to have either some claim to the Iron Throne or at least try and have a claim to Winterfell mm-hmm. and try and drive the, um, the Boltons off. Because yeah. Bruce Bolton is now the Warden of the North. Right. And no one likes him because he's evil. <laughs> Basically. Well, we kind of liked him when he was in league with the Starks, but after the Red Wedding, not anymore. Uh, yeah, with Danny, I was I was pretty upset, actually, when she slept with uh, Dario Naharis because I just saw, like, the Red Wedding happening again because it was the exact same thing that, you know, giving into desires and you have this pact. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, is something bad going to happen? But luckily she lived from that. Um, I feel like they may, my thought is, what if they burn John uh, because they don't want him to rise again? And so that's what they do. And from that, he actually like rises from the fires if he does have Targaryen blood in him. Right, because fire can't kill a dragon. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if like that somehow sort of resurrects him. Um, That's as far as sort of my theory goes. Uh, That's a good thought about, yeah, his watch being ended and him finally being able to sort of take on that mantle. I feel like he may be one of the heads of the dragon, and I really think that um, him and Danny may have, like, some sort of romantic relationship coming up because in one of her dreams when they were sailing, she saw, like, this attractive, dark-haired man in her dreams, but she didn't know who it was. And I just feel like maybe, especially if they're Targaryen because you know that they were, like, intermarried, that that could be Yeah, incest is no big deal for them. I know, right? (laughs) Except for the Lannisters. Um, I feel like that could potentially be a good match. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree. I, I do think he he's one of the he- the heads of the dragon. Mm-hmm. I'm I wish I could remember who the other one is. Someone mentioned it in a theory and I I can't remember who it was. Was it someone do you think Victorian, the do you think the Greyjoy is is he gonna have any power? Because he has the horn that uh sort of commands the dragons. Do you think he'll be able to do anything? That's right, I'd free See, that's the problem is, is when, when you, you read it a while ago, you right, forget some of the yeah. minor details. You only really remember the big stuff. So, uh, 
Yeah, that could be. I'm. I kind of wonder what's going to end up happening with Stannis because I don't think he's one of the heads of the dragons, but I know he's also too stubborn to to give up his claim to the throne. Right. And I I still don't really know what's up with Melisandre. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't trust her in the slightest. No. Someone asked me, he's like, so are we going to get to see more naked Melisandre in season four? I'm like, I don't know. They added that in season three. She doesn't try and sleep with Gendry in the book. He's like, oh, they don't. I'm like, no. He's like, oh, that's disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, they probably will. It's HBO. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, in one of the trailers, I think you kind of see her in a bed. Like looking at somebody. Who knows? She's probably looking at um, Stannis, but I don't know. Um, what about the the daughter of Stannis? Do you think she has any significance? I don't know. I don't remember her having that big of a part in she the does books. It. She does, except that she has that um, sickness, the the gray gray something, grayscale, whatever it's called. Yeah, grayscale. Because that, that's the thing that um, the guy who was looking after the Targaryen kid, he got yeah. that. He fell in the river. Yep. Oh, I'm not sure. I want to see what's happened with Arya. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she's like a master assassin. Well, maybe not master, but she's an assassin now. Yep. So she's she's one of my favorite characters. I love Arya. Yep. She's she's awesome. I I have a, I have a replica. Well, it's a replica bird, but I have her sword. Oh, um, the needle? Yes, needle. Cool. I, uh, one of the, I, I haven't gotten any lately because, you know, finances and school is expensive. But one of the things I, I collect is, this, this is going to sound weird, but medieval medieval weapons mostly okay. like swords and stuff but I, but I say weapons because i've also got like some axes and warhammers but i've got a replica of needle i've got a replica of long claw and i've got a replica of ice wow before so, ice was yeah broken up into different swords yes <laughs> it's it's interesting i have the book versions because they there is the small company that made a deal with martin to do the book versions based off the book descriptions okay. before it got turned into a show mm-hmm and now that the book versions are all sold out and there's a limited run of them, they're doing the TV show versions, so which looks slightly different. Probably more expensive now that's popular, right? Right. Longclaw looks essentially the same. Um, needle, ice, and ice looks completely different from the way it does on the show. Uh, and then needle looks similar. There's a slight change with the handguard. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Very cool. Just yeah, I guess you're ready for the zombie apocalypse if it ever comes. You've Very got your so. weapons all set. My my dad said if there's a zombie apocalypse, the first thing we do is run to your room and get all the swords out of the closet. Basically, that'll work out. Yeah. Yeah, Bran. Can you shed any light as to what is going? That those were actually the most bizarre chapters for me, mainly at the end with the the tree, the tree seat, and I felt like I had to read really slowly and and try to figure out what was going on. But I mean, what are your thoughts on there? And there was a theory. I had two theory or read two theories. One of them that in the paste happens to be Mira and Jojem. They're actually in the paste, and so Bran ate them. The other is that uh, Jojen Reed is actually Mira's grandfather. Like he, I don't know, and uh, he actually went back to their to their land because he was getting sick and weak and stuff. So those are the two theories that I that I read. I would like to think that they're still alive. That would be terrible if Bran actually ate them. But can you shed any light on what is going on with Bran? You said you didn't like it as much in the final book. What happened to him? 
I truly have no idea. I mean, okay. that was like the biggest WTF for me yeah. the whole thing. And I, I, I remember distinctly a friend of mine finished the book about a week after I did. And because I read this, like, yeah, I read it in July when it came out. Uh, and and my, my friend calls up to me, he goes, he, he goes, a tree. <laughs> Martin turned Bran into a effing tree. <laughs> yeah. And he just ranted for like 20 minutes about how much he hated to dance with dragons, specifically Bran turning into a tree. So that's my kind of humorous memory of that is is how much Franklin hated into a tree. Uh, I and I feel like I, now he's he's such like a watcher, you know, like for Marvel, he cuz he can't really do anything to change what has been going on. He can visit different places, but I mean, what impact is he going to have if he's, I don't know. Yeah, no, I really don't know. It's, um, well, it's, I mean, it showed that there are other people in that tree. So I, I assume mm-hmm. this is some type of older magic, but I, I really have no idea what's going on there. I really hope Martin makes something clear because that, that just came out of nowhere for me. I was just like, the hell is this? Yeah. What do you think? Let's see. Circe. I think a big thing in book four, which one was that? Feast for Crows. Yes. Um, is her dreams uh, always reflecting back on her visit with Maggie? I think Maggie the Frog, that, that soothsayer that they visited. Wasn't that her name? Do you remember? The fortune teller? I know you're talking about, but no, I don't remember the name. Okay. It may have been Maggie. We'll just go with Maggie. <laughs> uh, but So we know that Marcella and... Toman are probably going to die, but it's also uh, her little brother is supposed to be the one to end up killing her, and I think she assumes it's going to be Tyrion, but I wonder actually if it, it'll be Jamie, just enraged from his last two children being killed off, um, because he's technically the younger twin anyways. Well, I, I think Jamie's probably going to kill her, because just... Wait, wait, or, or Tom, wait, did you say Tommen was killed off? I don't remember Tommen being killed He hasn't off. been yet, but the... the. Oh, right, but she was imagining it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think he's going to kill her because in I, I seem to recall in Dance with Dragon, either Feast or Dance, um, he's thinking to himself and he basically realizes, yeah, Cersei's crazy and she needs to die. So I, th- I, I could see Jamie killing her. Mm-hmm. Um, what I had hoped would happen with Tyrion, I don't know, maybe they'll end up going this route, but I was really hoping he was going to be, like, become the ambassador for Daenerys and, like, come back and be like, so, the true queen is coming. Yeah. Here are the terms. Do you Accept think she, them or die. Yeah. Do you think she would uh, believe, trust him so easily, though? Danny, would she trust Tyrion so soon? A Lannister? I do not know. I I would say most likely not. But if she knows that he killed Tywin and is on the outs, mm-hmm. then also also that you know he was like a kid, so he had nothing to do with the revolt. She she might be willing to listen to him, but I'm really not sure. It might it would probably. I guess the per I don't I well I don't know what how Barristan Selmy feels about him. It would probably depend on what Barristan said. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. And then Marjorie, I'm sure she's got a big part to play because she just keeps surviving and <laughs> is a rival for Cersei. Yes, I, 
I think this was added to the to the show, but I really like when she was she was obviously manipulating Joffrey. And she's like, "Would you show me how it works?" Oh my <laughs> gosh! I, I was just like, "She's good." She, yeah, she's, I like her. She's good. Yeah, she knows how to how to manipulate for sure. And then that yeah that scene where Roz is just like hanging and there are yeah. all these crossbow bolts. I'm like, what in the world? He is. He's got some strange uh, fetishes to be sure. Man, yeah. Any other? Any, oh, Cold Hands. Who do you think Cold Hands is? The guy oh. who rides on the on the elk. Yes. I think Cold Hands is Benjamin Stark. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, so does my dad. So, and actually, a lot of people I've talked to seem to think that it's Benjamin Stark. I was bummed that they didn't uh, introduce him in the show. I mean, I hope that they will, but he should have been introduced. When Sam and Gilly were running around, and before they met um, the crew, I think he'll be introduced in season four because the the Reed twins they show up in book two, and the show they didn't show up till season three. At least that's what I remember. So I think yeah, that yeah, it's true. So yeah, I, so I think they'll show up. Okay, I hope so. Do you ever get upset when you're watching? That, you know, like, oh, this is not how it happens. Or, you know, where are these characters? Occasionally. I, I don't know about upset. More like maybe mild annoyance. Uh, like with Gendry. Because it's like, okay, so what's going to happen now? Because mm-hmm. in the book, it's it's Edric Storm who gets smuggled out. And Gendry is still with the Brotherhood Without Banners. Right. We haven't seen him, but if he shows up again, it's like... I mean, that's kind of I don't know how they're going to deal with that since now he's I mean it's not I doubt he'd go back to the Brotherhood without banners in the show cuz you know they sold him to a woman who wanted to you know basically yeah. rape and kill him <laughs> that's the best word I've got for it That was a pretty gruesome fight for me in the book with uh Brienne and um who was it Biter like yes. ripping at her face. I'm like, oh no, Brienne, please don't die. The thing I love about Brienne, because I disliked Jamie so much, but I loved in, uh, I guess it was book four, that you just see his progression, you know, in his journey as he's going with Brienne. And I think it was Brienne who sort of made him change characters. And yep. I just loved at the end of that uh, book that he got that letter from Cersei that she's in jail and she's begging him to come help her and he like burns it and you could definitely tell that there is a, a shift. So now I actually like the character, but I oh, did it before. That's, that's how most people feel. Like, yeah. if, like books one, two, like, Oh, I hate Jamie Lannister. You want him yeah. to die. And then book three, he loses his hand and you learn about, you know, yeah, and he, he gives the story about killing yeah. the king and you're like, Oh crap! Now I feel sympathetic for him. You suck, Martin. Why are you making me sympathize with this character? Yeah, <laughs> uh. it could be worse. It could, we could be sympathizing with Joffrey. No, <laughs> never. <laughs> Not happening. That would be awful. Yeah. Oh right. So how did you like the revelation that it's um that the whole war was basically started by Littlefinger, just because he never got to marry Catelyn. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. That's it. Seems so overdramatic, but uh, I guess it it makes sense. How how? I mean, that's just his character. He he is quite possibly the single most dangerous individual in the whole series. Yeah, but like, I think people on yeah, but he and it's not with swords or anything. It's definitely yeah with his mind. 
Yeah, I mean, when when he pushed his wife out of the... Uh, oh my gosh. I was yes. just like, oh, whoa, okay, he... Damn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which now I actually fear for Sansa, because before I couldn't really... I just wanted to get through her chapters and be done with her. But uh, then she sort of started to grow on me, and now I'm just wondering. I mean, it's... Ooh, I don't know. What do you think's going to happen with her and... I, I still don't like her, but her yeah. chapters are now more interesting because she's she's with Baelish. Yeah. I think he's more or less grooming her to either take over his place or he's, and this is kind of creepy, but it's in place in, in, in the Game of Thrones world, going to try and, like, marry her or something. Yeah. Because, you know, she, they said she looks more or less like Catelyn, right? Yeah. And he did kiss her out in the sun. Yes. That one time, yeah. Yes. So, how many people do you think are going to still be alive in the in the Stark family? Because we haven't even seen Rickon for for a long time. I think. Whew, good. That's a good question. I'd like to think Arya will survive because mm-hmm. she's just a little lady made out of iron. Although I almost wonder if Martin will just you know have her like get through you know. Kill, kill the people on her list, and then get killed in the final attempt just to twist the knife into the readers. Ha ha ha! Because you know he he is he's sustained by our tears. I think so. <laughs> but um, I I think she'll be alive. Uh, Rickon might just because he's nowhere to be seen. I don't even remember where he is. He, yeah, off with Asha. Right, he's off with her. And Davos is going to go find them. That's right. And the only uh, clue that we have is that he was—he did not want to go to the place that he's being sent. So, so this reminds me. So, I think it's kind of funny slash weird how people it feels like people from Harry Potter keep popping up in the show. Oh like, yeah, Osha, Osha's yeah. played by Tonks. Yep. And and you know the scene where she's just you know completely naked. I'm like, oh, that's kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or then um. I think the like I think the funniest thing was this this and I apologize for the language here in a second, but it had a picture of uh Walder Frey. Uh it was this was immediately after the episode with the red wedding aired and it tied, and, and the caption just said Filch. Oh my gosh. Oh he is Filch. <laughs> he's filch oh in the man, because I always movies. Yes. I always saw that he like he looks so familiar. Now it's all becoming... He's such a... T- oh, man, that man. <laughs> Doesn't that make it even creepier? It does. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, Ar- I agree, Arya. I really feel like John is still going to be alive. I hope so, because it would really suck if we've been with him for all these thousands of pages just for him to get killed for no real reason. Yeah. Or, although, I guess the reason is... Tell me if you thought it was... I, 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 th- I, thought, I felt like it was, I guess... Because he was going after his sister, his the 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 um the Brotherhood thought he was a the Crows thought he was abandoning his post basically, mm-hmm. and that's why they did it. That's that was what I thought. Is that what you got from that? I feel like it was it was that on top of everything. I mean, he was letting the wildlings in, like all of this stuff that is not how the Brotherhood has been doing it. All of a sudden, John is really turning everything on its head, tradition on its head. And I think they're just so short-sighted 
that they don't see what he's doing is for the good of everything and for all the the realms and they only see that he's letting in the enemy so i think that it's certainly you're right and i think it's just on top of all this stuff because you can see like those characters bowen marsh and uh the other i guess it was Ophel, wasn't it wasn't it yarwick um that they were just so like increasingly getting upset but it was very much a scene for me out of julius caesar just getting stabbed in the back and everything it's terrible. It's, it's 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 kind of like I don't know if you've ever played the Mass Effect games. I haven't. I know of them. Well, they're one of my favorite game series. Really, really long and complicated story short, because that universe has is incredibly well written with lots and lots of twists in history. One one of your companions is an is an alien named Rex, and if he survives the first game, he ends up becoming a a leader for his, his species, the Krogan, and trying to institute a bunch of changes to keep his race from dying out. But because the Krogan are fanatically warlike and very short-sighted, a lot of people, he kind of has to drag a lot of people kicking and screaming through the reforms. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of like what John's doing. I, yeah, so Bran will be a tree. Bran will be a beautiful tree. For the rest of his life. That's like a hippie's dream come true. Yeah. Turning into a tree. Um, I really want Daenerys to come back, invade, and just beat the snot out of everybody. I think that's the end. I, so J.R.R. Martin has told uh, the creators of Game of Thrones what the ending will be, should he die. Yes, I saw that. And I believe the reason, I, I want to believe he won't die, but I think the main... <laughs> I I know I think the main reason for that is because of what happened with Robert Jordan a few years ago. I'm not sure who Robert Jordan is. You will have to... Oh sure. Um, okay, so there is there's a really popular fantasy. Fa- oh, sorry, I the think wheel I, is called yeah. the Wheel of Time, which yes. I don't like. I I got halfway through the second book, and they were still in a tower, and the women were arguing about clothes, and I'm like, I've had enough of this. But but it's immensely popular, and he oh I guess it wasn't a few years ago he died back in oh seven oh seven or oh eight, and his. His book, he was, he like just finished the 10th book and he was working on, or maybe it's the 11th, I don't remember. He was, his book is over, it's over 10 books long, his saga, and he died before he was able to finish it. And he, he, I guess he, he left a bunch of notes and then uh, another fantasy author named Brandon Sanderson finished it. Uh, I haven't read anything by Brandon Sanderson, although supposedly he's pretty good. But uh, I'm guessing it's because of something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I honestly think that Martin's going to end with Danny on the Iron Throne. I think that's how it's going to end. I hope so. Yeah. That's that's because I, I and the best ending we can hope for is bittersweet. There's no way it's going to be happy. Best we can hope for, I and and he and he's more or less confirmed the ending will be bittersweet. Yeah. Which you know. That's that, that could be bad though. How do we know that's going to be good? <laughs> Well, I mean that 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 to me that means that implies it's not going to be completely bleak. Like bittersweet means, well, some good things happen, but a lot of bad things happen too. Yeah. Like, like I think the ending for Lord of the Rings is what I would call bittersweet. I mean, yeah, they've destroyed. I don't, well, have you either seen the movies or read the books? Yes. I don't want to spoil it. No, I've yeah, it, I've seen the movies many times. Okay, good. But like you know, sure they've destroyed Sauron and yep. and the ring, but you know. Fro- Frodo, you know, is, you know, hurt, like, beyond healing ability, so he has to go off into the Undying Lands, right. and then, um, 
yeah, you know, the elves are going to leave Middle-earth, and Boromir's dead, and and so is Theoden and a lot of other people. So, satisfying ending, kind of bittersweet. So, I, th- I kind of think, to me, that's bittersweet. If, you know, everyone just dies, then that's like the bleak ending. <laughs> I hope so. it'll be good, yeah. And the dragons, that was pretty intense in the... In- that she finally got on to the dragon. I knew that when her uh, her Dorn uh, husband to be, which was never gonna, when he got so in there, dumb. I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> like, yes. I'm sorry, son. Like, this is not gonna turn out well for like, you. Like you're an idiot. Don't yeah. don't open that door. Don't open. It's like when you're watching a horror movie and you're always like, no, don't let the guy in the house. You never let the guy in the house. Exactly. And you let the guy in the house. You're like, oh, yeah. Told you. Never listen. Do yeah. you think if, uh, I mean, a thing that Danny has always wanted is a Kalasar of her own, and now she, I mean, we're ending right with her seeing the Cal who took all of those people away from her and Cal Drogo. So do you think, oh. like, she'll be able to, I don't know, I get think she's back? got a full-grown dragon with her. I think she's That's taken true. the Kalasar back by force. Sounds good. That's what she wants. Maybe now we'll be able to move well, they'd never want to cross the sea, so that's going to be an issue. But, yeah, I, that's something she always wanted, and it's time to go into Westeros. Well, yeah, because what I was kind of hoping would happen in the fifth one was that once they revealed that her, again, I cannot remember his name, but that her nephew was alive, that he would go and be like, hi. And it's like, by the way, we've got this army of pissed off people who want want the, the rightful people back. So. Right. Why don't you bring your dragons and let's go uh, beat the crap out of all these usurpers? <laughs> so yeah, do you think we're going to have to deal with um, basically the White Walkers and and everything dealing with Winter first, and then get back into the the actual Game of Thrones, or do you think everything's going to be happening side by side? I think it's either going to be side by side, or at some point it's going to converge. I don't know how it would possibly converge, but I, I seem to recall them mentioning that the last time the White Walkers appeared, it it was over all of Westeros, not just the north. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the next book is called The Winds of Winter. Yeah. So I'd like to think there's something to that. Yes. So I'm guessing. And, and the I'm, last one is something about spring. Yes, a dream of spring. There you go. So doesn't the, that sound pleasant? Yes. <laughs> 10,000 or 1,000 pages of pleasantness, hopefully. The flowers will all be growing out of dead bodies. <laughs> there you go. Did Did you see the... Uh, there, there is this... Oh, it's so terrible. I love I love all the horrible memes with George R. R. Martin. Like, there is one that has this kid running up to George R. R. Martin. He's like, he's like, Santa! He's like, no, kid, I'm George R. R. Martin. He's like, no, I get it, Santa. I You can't tell people who you really are, right? Well, here's what I want for Christmas. And he's just you know, hugging George R. R. Martin, Martin just goes, so be it. And then it, you know, it shows Christmas Day, and, and the kid's downstairs in his living room. He's like, Mom, Dad, Santa brought me everything I wanted. Mom, Dad, where are you? And then it shows, to, you know, the parents' room, and they're, they've been dismembered, and there's blood everywhere. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> and then the final picture is, is George R. R. Martin with blood on his hands in Santa's sleigh, with the flying reindeer, and he's just cackling like a maniac. Oh, wow. Wow. I wonder what George R. R. Martin thinks of all these things. I don't know. Did, by, by any chance, do you watch South Park? I don't. I, I, I didn't think so, but there is a... 
there's a three-parter from the last season, and the whole thing was was kind of uh, an affectionate parody of Game of Thrones. And uh, at at a, at a point, George R. R. Martin actually shows up. It was pretty funny. Maybe I should look that up. You really should. It's the it's the Black Friday trilogy. Oh, is it's, it a trilogy? Yeah. Well, it's three episodes. Oh, That's why they call it the trilogy. Yeah. So, it's it's a three-parter, but it's Black it's hilarious. It it it's well it because it's a it roughly parodies you know Game of Thrones, but it also the thing that's causing the friction between the kids is the console war and whether they're going to get Xbox Ones or PlayStation 4s, and that's what divides them down the line. And there's a bunch of political intrigue and backstabbing each other. It's hilarious. It's I, I can't make it sound as good because I'm not good at describing this stuff, but it's really funny. Also, it really it really ticked off a couple of people because uh, you'll be fine because you read the books, but there's actually a spoiler for, for uh, the third book in there. Was it the Purple Wedding? Yes. George was it R. really? Mar- yeah, George R. George R. Because they're talking to George R. Martin, and he mentioned and he mentions Joffrey getting killed. And do you know Greg Bashanky? Greg Bashanky, he was Greg XB on the Spider-Man Crawl Space yeah, forums. Yep. He texted me. He goes, "Did they just spoil <laughs> spoil se- season four? And I texted back, "Yeah, they did." He's like, "I'm so pissed right now." <laughs> Because he's not that far in the book. Oh, no. I think, you know, the kid who plays Joffrey, uh, he kind of spoiled it, too, because apparently, you know, he said after his tenure on Game of Thrones, he's retiring from acting. And this came, like, fall of this year. And I had yet to read that part of the book. And I wanted to text Kevin and say, this guy's retiring. Do you think they're going to kill off his character? And I didn't, which was probably for the best. But that's probably, I mean, he kind of spoiled it right there. Why even mention that? You know, when my tenure ends, what well, is it's about books? to end? I'm sorry, Kevin. Is Kevin, Kevin no, read the books. I asked him if he would, and he said, "No, I've got so much comics to read. Anyways, I don't have time to read a thousand page book, <laughs> so I'm not allowed <laughs> to like spoil anything, even though I really want to tell him all these things." Okay, I didn't know if he was watching the show or not. He does watch the show, but he doesn't read the books. What? So, what made you decide to read the books? I'm glad you did because it's one of my favorite series, and I love talking about it. But, but yeah. what? What made you decide I'm going to read these? Do you read a, like I don't know? Are you a fantasy person or not really? These just look um, cool. Not as much because you know I'm I'm big into the into the literature like the classic kind of stuffs. Um, I yes. do love Redwall. Redwall, I guess you could consider fantasy. Um, yeah, by, by by Brian Jock. Jack, yeah, Jack yeah. Weird um, French last name. I can't pronou- <laughs> that I can't pronounce. Uh, so they're one of my favorite series, uh, and of course Harry Potter and stuff. So, you know, I just been hearing so much about you know Game of Thrones. And the first year I went to San Diego Comic Con, um, I think was like before the first season of Game of Thrones. So that was a big. People were really excited about it. But I just decided. Um, I'm probably not going to watch a show because I hear, you know, kind of bad things that it's just, whew, it's really mature, you know, and gruesome. But I thought, I think I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to give this a shot. And I had a, a student and I asked, hey, could I borrow this book? And I just devoured that first one. The prologues are always the, the slowest for me. And even the first one, it was like, really, like, oh, what's going on? But once you get done with the prologue, I just rip through it. Uh, and I just really fell in love with the characters. And I love the themes and that, 
even though if you're a part of a family, you're kind of fighting that family and what is right. Because I think Tyrion is a really good mold for that. You know, do I stick with my family or do what I think is right? Um, I love Tyrion. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I fell in love with the characters and the Starks and and Danny especially. And I just after that I thought you know I'm gonna give this show a try. And yeah, there, <laughs> there was one scene I think in season one that I totally had to. Like, I just turned away and listened to the audio. It, it was in, like, uh, Peter Baelish was, like, talking to his... Like, <laughs> you know what scene I'm talking about? I know exactly what scene you're like, talking about. The two going at it, I'm like, what in the world? So oh, that's when so, I knew, like, oh, so, man, this is real. So they actually came up with a new word for that. It's called sex position, which is when people... It's, it's like exposition. It's when there's exposition, oh, but the people yeah. are having sex. <laughs> Well, like important stuff is being discussed, so like yeah, fast forward, which is yeah, it was, I yeah. even even me and my dad were both like, oh, hope mom doesn't walk in right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. But yeah, I just wanted to. I so then I got like a um a four pack, I guess, of the books and and read them all, and it was great because after reading it, I was able to find other people like you and a friend I already had um, that I could. Uh, talk with them about so it's it's been really great and I'm glad I read the books first rather than watch a show because now I I watch a show and I'm kind of more in tuned into what is going on yes well I'm really glad you you like it it's it's I mean I'd, I'd, I'd probably say it's probably my second favorite fantasy series I say probably because I've had some issues with like you know Bran turning into a tree so it kind of depends <laughs> on how he sticks the landing oh yeah like how the series ends but it's one of my absolute favorites, and I, I'm actually a, I mean, I, I, I generally like science fiction more than I like fantasy, but I, you know, my favorite book ever is Lord of the Rings, and I do love fantasy. I'm just really picky about it, because I'll be the first to tell you a lot of it's really, really awful Tolkien knockoffs, so, so it's great when there's something like this that's, like, really original, and uh, once that, like, one thing that I think is really cool is how there's, like, almost, almost like, no magic in the first book. Yeah. And then the dragons come back and you start and the magic is just kind of slowly starting to come back into the world. And I, I think that's a really interesting subplot and I, I can't wait to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if you if you're I don't know if you ever get interested in, you know, reading other fantasy books, you know. Feel free to ask because I, I can recommend the good ones. Yeah. Well, I'm starting. I started reading a Wizard of Earth. See. Yes. I, yeah. How do you like that? So far, like the first chapter, I wasn't too sure. Uh, just because it was giving a lot of background onto him, and I, I wasn't really sure how it was all going to... I wasn't enjoying it as much, but once I got past that first chapter and, you know, got into his schooling and everything, I've been enjoying it. I'm not too far in. I'm about halfway in. He just left um, his schooling on Roke. But I actually watched... You're you're the guy that you don't like anime, right? That's Kevin. I... No, oh, that's I, Kevin? Oh. I... I, uh, I knew there's there's someone in my circle that like despises it. Kevin hates it. My my view is there's quite a few anime I like. It's okay. just there's a lot of stuff that Japan's not really producing anything that really interests me all that much right now. I mean, I I love Cowboy Bebop. I love Hayao, the Hayao Miyazaki movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see the the Earthsea anime, but I don't think it's been released here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where I um. That's what I first watched. I was watching this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. And then I saw that it was based on it, but it's loose because well, I think also, they kind of create their own ending. It's also based on the third book. Okay. Even the though far- there are four. Yes, the okay. farthest shore. Okay. 
So I'll get there. So probably after I read them all, I'll go back and watch the film. But yeah, that's sort of what got me in. And I got interested in that. And I kind of needed a break, a lighter read from Game of Thrones. Because after (laughs) you read that for a while, you're kind of like, I need to step back. So I was looking for something lighter. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I I just finished uh, uh, the book that's a history of Auschwitz. It's like, I need something that's that's lighter now because that's depressing. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, I, I found out my family's actually part Jewish, so I'm trying to do a bit of reading on, on oh, stuff cool. like Jewish history and the Holocaust yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. But no, yeah, so I've got a, so I'm reading a science fiction book right now that's okay. And then I've got a, this, the first of this Acacia trilogy, which is a uh, fantasy series by a guy who's traditionally writes historical fiction. It's got a lot of great reviews and it's apparently been optioned for a movie. So I'm interested in starting that. People have, this one review kind of compared it to call it like a combination of of actually a Game of Thrones and a Wizard of Earth. So I'm like, huh, it should be interesting to see what that's like. So much going on, so many cool things to read in so little time. I know so many books I want to read. Yeah. I, I keep a list of books that I want to read, and it's like three and a half pages long right now. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. You were working at a library, weren't you? Still am. Oh, now. that's that, pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, so there's there's always know what stuff is coming out. Yeah. And we've got comics, so you know, there's always I know always know what they're ordering. There you go. This is probably terrible. I we we ordered the the complete She-Hulk collection, though it's written by Dan Slott, so oh, I've heard good things about it, but it's like this way I can read it and not have to pay for it, which is good because I like there the character go. of She-Hulk, but I'm not a fan of Dan Slott. And I don't think you are either because you dropped the. Did you drop before yeah. Slot came on or after? Um. It was after it was after Shed. Uh, that's really the last. <laughs> no, I guess it was after was Spider Island. I think it was Spider Island was like the last point, but Shed was really getting down there for me. And I remember Shed. I was just like, I'm isn't, done. Isn't that the? Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't think I read Shed, but I remember the Fallout. Isn't that the one where Kurt Connors ate his kid? You bet. Billy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. What a great. Yeah. Well, you just said that reminds you. Reminds me, did you see the video of um the actress who plays Arya responding to the the red wedding? No. Okay, hang on, I gotta find this and send okay. it to you. It's it's so funny. She put it up like a day after the episode. It was I was laughing so hard. I I went back afterwards and I I just watched sort of the last I guess ten or fifteen minutes of that episode again, but with commentary, and it was uh. Catelyn and Rob were the people, and I guess it was the first time they had seen it, at least Catelyn, and she was like, oh God, oh God, and crying, and both of them were really emotional, but I still, like, it is really hard. I kept seeing it in my mind's eye, like, Jane, not Jane, Talisa's womb getting stabbed. That was, like, the most gross of the thing. That was pretty, yeah, even I, couldn't, I even, yeah. that was pretty bad. I thought I, I was going to have nightmares. It was so terrible. Why do they have to do that? Why couldn't you just leave her at home? Yeah, that's the, I don't know what they're going to do now for that. Well, I mean, obviously, she's not, you know, not in the show. But in the yeah. book, that character's still alive. Yeah. I mean, not that character, but you know what I mean. Cause... Yeah, but she wasn't really serving much of a purpose except for being a hostage unless Martin had bigger plans. But who knows? Okay, I, I can't get it separately, but uh, her, her, the actress who plays Arya, her reaction is in at about one fifty. Okay. Is it a bunch of reactions? Yeah, this shows a bunch of reactions. Oh, so. celebs react. 
How do they even know that they're going to react, though? I don't know about the other ones, but with the... Uh... With the with the actress who played Arya, she just put that up by herself, and I, I guess she knew it was coming. Oh, okay. Oh gosh, they showed it. Oh. Oh, of course. Now I find the one that's just her reaction without oh, any of okay. that stuff. If you want, I can put that because there's no there's no stabbing anywhere. It was so. I already made it past the stabbing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, I really wasn't was trying it to. Was sad when he said mother? Yeah. When when yeah, and then when uh. Man, when 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 Catelyn cut you know cut the other girl's throat and just goes oh, and then the other guy cuts her throat, I was just like, damn, that was hard to watch. I guess yeah. I wonder how people are gonna react when she comes back from the dead. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> I I look forward to that part. Um, and it's great because Arya is the one who saved her because she was inside uh, Nymeria. Yes. And she pulled her from the. Even though she thought she was dead, but she was the one who ended up kind of getting her that the attention of the the brotherhood. I I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with um, great John Umber because cause he was the only one who survived that thing. So and and I know the the Northmen aren't are not bending to Bruce Bolton. So I kind of wonder if at some point they're going to rebel against him. I do wonder, like, I'm still somewhat bothered by Bruce, who, uh, like, he looks at Catelyn, he looks at her, and she can tell already something is up, because the music, they were playing the Reigns of Casimir, she knew that was weird, she saw Blackwalder Frey close the doors, but he looks at her, and then he looks down at his arm, as if to tell her, look at what's underneath. I just didn't understand why he was beckoning her to, like, you know, give her a hint as to what was going to happen, I thought that was a little odd. Yeah, I I don't know what's up with that. I've got nothing. I know when when uh when someone asked me, you know, so like Ramsey, why why is he torturing Theon? And and I said, because he's literally a bastard in every sense of the word. Yeah, <laughs> it's very sad. Yeah, I remember in the book, I think uh, Lady Mormont or wh- whoever I remember it was a bear. Uh, she was sitting next to Bolton, and she saw like his mail. But I don't know. I I I actually I feel really bad for Jorah Mormont. I actually like him a lot. Oh yeah, that poor guy. He's been torn down so much. Like he's a slave. He was beat up really badly. Hopefully he makes it back to Danny. Who knows? I hope she forgives him. Yeah. He's been like friend zoned so hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's there. There's a meme that that showed that it just showed that look on his face from the from the end of season three when. And he gets back. He's like, the city's taken. He's like, where's you know the other guy? And it just you know shows the look on his face. And the captain said, friends, oh. Oh man. Yeah. Hopefully. How do you feel about the actor change for Dario Naharis? I didn't hear about it. Oh, so the guy who was playing him is no longer. They Why not? Um. Apparently, he's going to be in a reboot of the Transporter. <laughs> movie series which i feel like started five years ago with jason statham so i don't know why we're yeah that's dumb but well i hope the new guy's good i'm not gonna blame the new guy for it but i don't like it when that i don't like it when actors do that i really didn't like that um they they replaced the mountain uh i know it's because the actor quit to go i guess do something he was got a job in like the hobbit i thought that that guy from like the first season was just like Great. 
you know, other than the fact that he's oddly psychotic when he kills that horse, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah. But I was like, yep, that's the mountain. The other guy just doesn't look... He still looks nasty, but he doesn't look as intimidating. I'm pretty excited about the Martells coming into play. I really started liking them a lot during book four. Yes, the Martells are interesting. Or not book four. Yeah, that's book four, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets so confusing. Yes. The Martells. And all the I, serpents. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> thing that I thought was kind of a bit of a change from the book. How did you feel about the Knight of Flowers and Renly Baratheon? Because in, in the book, I... I Maybe I'm just dumb. I really did not put two and two together. Like, I guess it was... I didn't really think they were gay. Like, I guess there were a couple of subtle hints. Yeah. But I didn't really notice it. I think they I think they were subtle, yeah. I don't know as much about Loras, but it really did seem like Renly, there were those subtle hints. Uh, but I think I would have to read, read again. I, I just... I think it's mostly when Brienne sort of flashes back and she doesn't even realize it, but just, you know, when he visited her when they were younger and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, though. That was, <laughs> I couldn't believe, I don't know, people being led astray. That guy, that squire that came up to him in season three, and he was all flirtatious, and then Peter, he was an agent for Peter Baelish. Yeah, of course he would be. I know. I wonder if Loris is going to die because he's been like dying in Dragonstone for a book and a half. I, I don't know. I just, it's like, I remember when I, when I said, you know, I don't think there were that many hints about them being gay. And Gim's like, when someone's like, oh, come on, the guy's named the Knight of Flowers. How can he not yeah. be gay? It's like, okay, well. Yeah, and you have to think, though, I mean, their house um, is a rose, so. Right. So, yeah, like, I, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Because, you know, that's their house sigil. Yeah. So. I think you would just have to read it again and, like, pay attention to that. But I don't think uh, he makes it, uh, Martin, I don't think he, he makes it really big and blaring. I'm a little bummed. I don't get HBO, so I don't know what I'm going to do for this uh, this next season. I guess that's that's all I have. Any other thoughts or theories that you have? I no, I think I'm out. It was fun though. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad we were able to to chat about it. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, we should you know talk if we come up with more theories. I'll let you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we only have three more years left until the next book comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Twenty seventeen. That's what my bet is gonna be. Yeah, I'm hope. Yeah, I I there was a, there was a. I want to say it was either Martin's publisher or his agent, or maybe his editor said that the book at at the earliest, you know, he said no earlier than 2015. Okay. Fingers crossed for 2015, most likely yeah. seven, seven. My only real fear is if the show catches up to the books. Oh, that'd be terrible. Like, like what do they do then? Yeah. I, I like, I don't know, no just... Play, knowing what the end is? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's not... Do you watch The Walking Dead? Yes. So, I mean, that, um, they're given a lot of freedom. And Kirkman has even said, like, it's very nice to have my comic storyline and given a second chance to do different things with the TV show. So that's very, I think, organic and original. But Game of Thrones, like, they very much are intentional about staying close to the 
the books. So it'd be hard to go off of something without that that layout right there below you, only knowing what the endpoint is. And I think then it would all of a sudden shift into Walking Dead territory, where it's very original. And I think at that point, people might be upset once you know you get the books and like, oh, this is so different. So I'm I'm hoping that he catches up or. I don't know if they go on hiatus, but something. Well, you can't do it too much, though, because the kids are going to get really old. But, yeah, yeah I, 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 I hope that they they keep their firm foundation with the books because I think it has suited them well so far. I agree, and I, I don't think it's like where they can, you know, just kind of fall. Because they find, they find, you know, the show, for Walking Dead, they kind of follow the show in broad, sorry, they follow the comics in kind of broad strokes. Whereas the TV show, I mean, there's there's a few pragmatic changes they make, but for the yeah. most part, I feel like it's pretty faithful. Uh huh. Um, I I, I guess, pro- yeah, probably like the single biggest change I could think of would be like the thing with Gendry, and I I think that was kind of done so that a they didn't have to introduce another character because yeah. there's already you know twenty billion in this series, and also that way they don't have to pay another actor. Yep. And then, of course, um, Rob Stark's wife being at the wedding when she shouldn't have been. Yes, that's true. But, I mean, I guess that's such a my. I mean, his wife is such a minor character in the books. Yeah. I almost didn't think of that. Other than just the brutality of... Oh, it's so terrible. Yeah, I guess we'll see. And they put the wolf head on his body. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then that guy was talking about how he was doing it, and then Arya came up and stabbed him in the neck. Like, wow. I, I did kind of love that. <laughs> she, whoo, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how her story turns out, especially when she goes into that sort of temple area. She can area. be a nasty little girl. One <laughs> One of my favorite lines is when she just looks at it. Was it? She says, "Oh yeah." One day I'm gonna stab you in the eye until it comes out the back of your skull, and I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> and even the hound takes notice. Oh. oh, yeah. Who do you think the the Robert Strong, Sir Robert Strong, is the the creature creation that Kyburn made? Ooh, I think I think it's the the mountain mm-hmm. via necromancy. Or yeah. whatever weird magic they're using to bring people back. Yeah, and that's what Kyburn had been. I mean, that was one of the things he got kicked out of the Citadel for. Which reminds me, what do you think? Okay, so what do you think is actually up with the Lord of Light? The Lord of Light. Uh, we're actually talking about the god and not uh, Stannis. Yes, yes, sorry. The, 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 um, because he's like, what, the bringer of light, I guess, with his, store, yeah, his sword. Yeah. Uh, the, what do I think of the him? The red god, as they call him. There Dude. are so many of them, though. and But this one actually seems to show, he he actually seems to be doing stuff. Because you have the the drowned god and everything. Um, but it seems like the red god, I mean, you resurrected Beric Dondarrion seven times. Or I guess six times. The seventh time he gave it to Catelyn. You have you killed off three usurpers. So I I don't know if he is the one true god. Maybe he is with you know, and he's the the god of dragons. But it seems pretty. I don't know. It seems like out of all the gods, that he's the one that's that's actually doing something. He's got some power. Yeah. But I'm I'm not sure if he's. I don't. I don't think he's a good being. I just no. don't. Like, I don't trust it. Like, I almost wonder if 
what if he's not a god but a demon or maybe a dark god mm-hmm. like i mean i don't imagine going to sunday school and having word praise songs to the, oh gosh to roll to roll or that'd be scary Mel Sander comes out and starts singing. (laughs) (laughs) The night is dark and full of terrors. (laughs) That'd be terrible. Yeah, well, the Onion Night is there. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there is something special about the trees. Um, The the Werewoods, is that what they are? The Werewoods. I I think that's probably what what the connection with Bran is. Yeah. Like, maybe it's because... um, because they said the play, they said the old gods don't have the place, don't have any power, where the werewoods no longer are because they cut down the werewoods. Yeah. So I wonder if, I don't know, maybe maybe that's gonna play with the others or something. That'd be interesting. Although Rolor is also aware of the others because that's one of the reasons Melisandre makes Stannis go to the wall. Right. I hope everything. I hope everything's explained somewhat. Um, it's, there's, there's going to be a lot. I'm sure there'll be some loose ends, but I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, it comes to a nice ending. And he, I think he introed like the two, the first two books and he said the devil's in the details. So I always do look at some of these details that, that what's, of what's going on. And I wonder if like, there's going to be this big whammy for something that you never even saw coming. Cause it was just so tiny, like a small character or something. I'm at the point where like I expect something completely awful to happen and just come out of left field and have yeah. no explanation for it. Because it's already <laughs> happened a couple times. Well, I guess no explanation, but yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I'll let you go. But that was that was a fun conversation. It was. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to do it again sometime if we have yeah, some more theories at some point. Yes, and yeah, I'm sure we'll be celebrating when that new book comes out and everything. But yeah, I'll keep you posted on what I think of Earthsea. On Definitely. Yeah. I look forward to hearing about it. Cool deal. Well, yeah, Good. thanks. Th- thank you. Good talking to you, Stella. <laughs> you too. Take care. Bye. Bye.